This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Tuesday, 14th of April. I've got some money to give away this morning. About 14 million, if that's okay with everybody. It depends whether you bought a lottery ticket. They've issued a, a list of people who have not claimed the money. So about 14 million up for grabs. Maggie's right to buy Dream is back. The best of British, apparently, is the Queen and our sense of humour. Gary Barlow, two big interviews in the papers as he he tries to conquer America. Whether or not they'll they'll take to him, who knows? The mum who penned the hate slurs to an openly gay teacher. She's a vile piece of work. Catherine Jenkins is pregnant. The disabled allotment cheat in a con. And Piers Morgan is looking for a full-time job. Look out, Ben Shepherd. Don't hang around doing naff game shows, Ben. Because actually the, the current game show that Ben Shepherd is doing on the television is the one that we used to have with Richard Hammond. And that was the, the game show that was filmed abroad. It's exactly the same. The difference is Richard Hammond's got a personality, Ben Shepherd, and mystifyingly Rochelle Humes, one of the critics said, who's mystifyingly popular. She's so bland, you'd be better off just having a tub of lard sitting there. I mean, she re- they're trying everything for her, but dear God in heaven, it's bad news all round, I'm afraid. How to banish your back pain without pills. Uh, the Syrian-bound Britons heading home after deportation. Uh, one of them, his father was a mayor, or is a mayor. And the, uh, and, and the story goes that they're actually trying to get him back here. And the father said, well, he's definitely British through and through. And then close friends of the mayor have said, well, actually, the signs were emerging some time ago. So perhaps the father's telling porky pies. And you won't believe the stories that are coming out of America at the moment about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton gay? Have you heard this one? I hadn't heard it till the other day, and a friend of mine said, have you heard about Hillary Clinton? And I said, well, she's, she's standing for president. Again, last time she was up against Obama, and uh, she didn't sound a cat in earthlies. To be honest with you, I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. Can't bear her. And he said, oh, no, he said, there are very strong rumours that she's gay. I said, Hillary Clinton? Never even crossed my mind. And then I thought, maybe it was one of these internet slurs to put people off, because middle America hate that kind of thing. So, uh, and then you, you go onto the internet, you type it in. My God, there's pages of it. Pages and pages and pages, which I found sort of quite fascinating. It's almost like sort of separate lives. And then they've got uh, Chelsea Clinton as well, who used to be the ugly duckling. She's still the ugly duckling, but now she's loaded. When she was working, I think, for ABC or NBC, she was paid the equivalent of $24,000 a day. $24,000 a day. In the, in the time she was there, she was, she was trousering about $600,000 a year. Isn't that absolutely stunning? $600,000 for Chelsea Clinton, who, it turns out, is the vice chair of her father's foundation. And um, it, it's all a little, bit, uh, a little bit worrying, I'm afraid, the whole thing. But the Chelsea Clinton thing, I just don't like, uh, sorry, I don't like Hillary Clinton. She's a bit too smug, a bit too self-centred, a little bit too sort of, a little bit too herself, I'm afraid. And it, it doesn't it doesn't quite work for me. You know, there's something about her. You look at her and she's sort of, she's desperately hard, she's desperately trying to be sort of butch and hard and, and all the rest of it. I'm just thinking, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things, isn't it, really? Uh, the Diabetic Lounge is a UK support group for, uh, for diabetics, says Lynn. 
Thank you. My radio is ready for 4am. I hope you're one of the winners this morning. I've got about £15 million to, uh, to try and allocate to somebody. Piers Morgan, as I say, is, is going for this uh, full-time job. He doesn't actually have a job, poor soul. Ever since he was dropped from America for being, well, let's just call it crap, shall we? He didn't, he didn't rate over there. It didn't work. They've got people like that. They don't need anybody else. So they've shoved him on with Susanna Reid. And, of course, as luck would have it, whoo! I mean, it was a gift. It fell into their laps. Not that he's any good, because he's, he's slightly stilted. He's a little bit wooden. He hasn't actually sort of... And do you see the little bead of sweat? Yeah, I always spot these things. But they luckily had a guest on who swore twice. And that's always a gift in television. If you can find a guest who swears, then it makes the newspapers. And this one didn't use the F word once. He used it twice, and they had to apologise. They always apologise afterwards, like we've never heard it before. And so, and it, it wasn't Piers, it was the, this man who climbs up buildings, the outside of buildings. The row rumbles on over the talking dog, you know, the talking dog from Britain's Got Talent, and the, uh, the Frenchman who operates it, saying, oh, it is not cruel, you know, I've been seen to puppy, this thing. Yeah, of course, love. Listen, we don't believe a word you say. We don't believe a word you say. This thing has got something that fits over the dog's muzzle, and it's operated electronically. Okay, that's all I can tell you. You know, will it provide... It doesn't matter whether you've trained it as a puppy. I've seen dancing bears that have been trained since they were little cubs. So you're not washing it with me, pal, I'm afraid. And uh, I reckon that one is going to gather momentum. Because, you know, novel it might be. But frankly, if there's any distress caused to that dog... He says, oh, you know, the dog's not distressed. How do you know? How do you know? You don't know. He can't talk. You know, he's, he's the ventriloquist. I mean, he's about 190, for God's sake. Um, and then, uh, then John Warrington. Oh yeah, I was in, I was slightly interested in in vinyl for about about five seconds because I've heard some of the loonies that came on the air. Hello, mate, DJ, and I'm thinking, dear God, and it's like a throwback, isn't it, to the fifties and the sixties? These people are mad as broomsticks. They're absolutely start staring out. Yeah, can you hear me, man? Can you hear? And I'm, I mean, where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? These people, the vinyl junkies. You see them scouring the car boot. You got any vinyl, mate? Got any vinyl? And they go home and they clutch it because apparently you can't beat the sound of vinyl. Crap. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> Awful. We used to have something. I used to play vinyl in uh, Austria. But the Austrians had developed a liquid which was at the side of each turntable in every radio studio that they had. And it took away all the... And it was like a glue. So every so often, all the records had to be washed. And people say, you can't beat the sound of vinyl. You can't... Are you serious? Are you serious? These people go around. You can spot them. They sit on the trains because they can't afford a car. And they've got, and they've got sort of like a, a record case with their vinyl. I mean, I know. I used to play vinyl. You know, when I was doing the clubs, I used to play vinyl. It's very nice. But frankly, the only good vinyl is made into a fruit bowl. All you have to do is very simple. Leave it on the back shelf of your car in, in a sunny day and it will bend by itself. You can turn it into all sorts of exciting shapes. Anything but a record. I do have some vinyl records at home. I do not have a record player. I know you can buy them that sort of go into um, uh, sort of... Uh, what was I saying? I forgot about this. But that's right. Vinyl records. You can, sort of, you can buy a little suitcase thing now. Or you can have something that connects up to the internet and you play it that way. But the trouble is, it's such bad quality. Look at CDs. CDs are brilliant. I know there's probably DJs listening going, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Vinyl is the way forward. But one of them, he said, I've been a DJ since the 1980s. 
And I assumed he was calling from some home where he's been incarcerated. I mean, it was, you know, it was sad to hear. I don't want to be rude about these people, because quite clearly they're happy in their own ignorance. You know, vinyl is best, and, you know, I'm a DJ and all that kind of... Nobody cares. You know, you mix now. I don't think we have a radio station here. We do have facilities in some of the radio stations to play vinyl. But it's almost like it's, it's like, oh, you know, here's a little treat. Going to give you some vinyl. It's Hannah's birthday today. I normally wish her a happy birthday. Her boyfriend forgot to email this year. And um, he's actually called John. And it's shameful because he's also in a home. And he just didn't have the ability to uh, remember it was her birthday and let people know. I mean, I'm so sorry, Hannah. I'm so sorry that this year, as per usual, you get nothing. Nothing. Remember, who did we have the other week? Who was I? To? Oh, that's right. One of it, Mark. And... Um, he was in doing one of the programmes. And he didn't even bother sending his mum an Easter card. You know, things... And that was just shameful. Shameful, really. I mean, these people who forget... And then they go, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll write to Steve and then Steve can help us out of a fix. Hannah, ditch him. OK, get rid... You can do so much better. Listen, who wants to go out with somebody called John? OK, J-O-N. It's pretentious to start with. Find somebody called, you know, Mikey or DJ Razzle or something like that. You'd do far better. You know, somebody called John, you know, is a loser to start with. Has he got a middle name? John Boy. You know, that's what it'll be. It'll be something like that. He sounds like something at the Waltons. Get rid. Listen, you know it makes sense. Only tell the truth. Kim Marsh has admitted she's never voted. That doesn't surprise me. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Why do I look at these people and think she's never voted? Because she's chav. She's also getting married again, so we're going to have to suffer that dreary wedding. That'll be for the third time now. The Alan Turing book, 700,000. <sighs> Got to go to Bletchley Park. If I send you to nowhere else, I send you to Bletchley Park because it's a fantastic place. Because it's there. The huts are preserved as they were. And uh, they've got sounds and things going on in there and Alan Turing's hut and a big exhibition to Alan Turing. It's really, it's a place to go. And believe you me, it's not just full of old people going, oh, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have solved all the problems with the Enigma machine, you know, and sorted out all these all these codings. Go there. It's a good day out, I promise you. It really is. It's it's a really, really good day out. Always oh, pictures of Kelly Brook in the paper. It's so lucky, isn't it? I mean, one day she gets... More naked pictures of her leaked onto the internet. Dear God in heaven, perhaps one day we'll see the poor old bag clothed. Do us all a favour. I mean, to be honest with you, she's turning men off sex. You know, the more nude pictures that get released, and still she's got a chronically bad programme in America. Now she's got another boyfriend. This one's French. I mean, luckily, won't understand a word she's saying, which, like most people, she can't keep a boyfriend for five minutes. The reason is, she's dull. She's really dull. OK, it's no good going out with somebody... I know this. I've got a producer. It's no good going out with somebody for looks. If you're going to go out with somebody, go out for the personality. Why do you think I've got a personality? Because I don't have looks. People go out with me for the personality. And the fact I'm stinking rich. So apart, you know, if you, ha- if you don't have the money, you don't have the looks, get a personality. And unfortunately for Kelly Brook, she hasn't. But the thing she does have, which not many of us have, she's got her own photographer. So every time she goes out... They take a picture of her and then they print them in the papers, you know. And it's all supposed to be just casual off the cuff. Oh, look, here's Kelly Brook with some French person, you know. And you go, oh, that's really nice. Isn't that really... No, it's set up. It's a set up thing. Once he finds that, you know, he'll be going, oh, you are so beautiful. It was like, as, as somebody said, Victoria Beckham 
and David Beckham. They said, making love to Victoria must be like trying to disentangle two deck chairs. You know, she's a bag of bones. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever gone Victoria Beckham. They don't say that. They might say that about Kelly Brook. You never say it about Victoria Beckham. It's so funny, the other day, somebody was uh, complaining bitterly about Katie Hopkins, the vile Katie Hopkins, always guaranteed to get one saddo somewhere, complaining about her. And yet, I was watching Frankie Boyle on DVD. I mean, he insults everybody, you know, and he's hilarious. And yet, you know, poor old Katie Hopkins writes something in the paper, you know, about whatever it is, dementia, or it could be all sorts of things. And immediately, you're vile, you're this, you're that. And you think, you don't even know her. Have you written to Frankie Boyle? You know, that's what makes people famous. You know, she's actually doing better than Frankie Boyle is at the moment. Still to come, um, I hope it's you. I've got quite a few million quid up for grabs. In fact, I've probably got about, gosh, 15 million, 12 to 15 million quid. I'm hoping that you're one of the lucky ones. Details coming up very shortly. It's LBC, it's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. It's quarter past four. Eating Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick and the team at seven. The Conservatives are launching their manifesto. Home Secretary Theresa May joins Nick to explain more. And over... Uh, 3,700 people are supporting a mother and her son as they resist deportation. They want to be near their son and brother's final resting place, but is that a reason to allow people to stay here? Just sounds to me like another way of sort of trying to get, you know, sort of circumvent everything that's going on. Director of Communications, uh, Gutahari. Uh, News UK will be doing the paper review this morning. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz on LBC. Uh, if you have just joined us, nice to be company. Welcome along to Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, I did watch Frankie Boyle yesterday because he's just so offensive. In fact, at some point he actually said he was he was doing stories about when in fact there's nobody he doesn't do stories about. He comes on. He doesn't set out to be offensive. It's just that he touches on subjects that people go, "Ooh, can you say that? And of course, then the audience laugh and then they suddenly realize why they're laughing, because it's actually quite funny. He talks about, you know, well, everything. There's nothing I didn't think he was touching on this thing. He's talked about Jade Goody. He talked about um, Susan Boyle. He talked about everybody. There was every, And the audience just absolutely just pulled themselves apart laughing because it was funny. Because it was funny. It's great. You know, I love stuff like that. If it sort of pushes the boundaries a little bit, well, then it's, it's good. Sometimes we laugh at things that you think, oh, I shouldn't really be laughing at that. But then you think, actually, it's a very, very clever observation on his behalf, because he, he came out to do this stuff in front of an audience of, I don't know, a few hundred people. And uh, and it was it was brilliant. <laughs> I just I did. I watched about four shows thinking, do you know, there's absolutely none of this material that I can use on my programme because I'm very good at plagiarism. I'm very good at pinching, but I always pinch from the people who do it better than I do. And so I like watching stuff like that. I think it's, it's always great, actually. Uh, Malcolm says, did you notice the teeth on the ventriloquist? He wouldn't be out of place on the Jeremy Kyle show. Well, in fact, to be honest with you, I wish he, I wish he went on to the Jeremy Kyle show. I'm just, you know, I love ventriloquists. Don't get me wrong. Big fan of ventriloquists. But, um, you know, this is a, this programme, Britain's Got Talent, is supposed to be about Britain. Excuse me. You know, let's, let's sort of, you know, t- take away, forget about him being French. It's all the people on there are supposed to be people who have been plucked from obscurity, not professional circus acts. Or acts that work the clubs of Europe. This man's a professional act. He's been a professional for years. 
He's been doing this act with this dog around you. And somebody goes, do you want to be on television? How's it going to improve his workload? I mean, he's near death as it is. I hope he's training up a second dog. Always better to have a, you know, one in reverse that you can stick something on its muzzle. So from an early age, he's been putting this thing on this thing so he gets used to it. They go, oh, that's all right. That's fine, is it? And the RSPCA, who quite clearly have got to be so out to lunch. I mean, this programme transmitted Saturday. We're Tuesday now. Why do they not complain immediately? Because they don't, do they? Have you noticed, every time they do programmes on the RSPCA, and we've, we've had this before, I have bitter experience of the RSPCA, ladies and gentlemen, where we phone them to do something, and the woman at the other end said, what do you expect us to do? Of course, mention the fact there's a film crew there, and they'll be there like that, wouldn't they? If there's a film crew, they're going to be on television. But the rest of the time, the RSPCA just faff around, you know, going, oh, I think we're going to prosecute this person, because they went on holiday and left two goldfish in a bowl. These are the things that you flush down the toilet when they eventually expire. And so here's a man on television who shoves a plastic thing. How it's fixed onto it, I do not know. Glue? Spit? No idea. But it fits on there and electronically. So he's got... So this dog has got this thing over his face, which moves up and down. He must be wondering what the hell is going on. And it's covered in fur. And the RSPCA say, we have to check and see if there's anything attached to the dog. What, are you blind? Are you blind? Have you, did you see the programme? What do you think? It really is a talking... There's probably somebody at the RSPCA going, you know, this is, this is pushing the boundaries. They really have got a talking dog. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Anyway, here we go. Eyes down for a full house. Check your cards, check your numbers. Uh, these are people who have not claimed money. There's somebody here who bought a ticket in the Reading area. It was Euro Millions. And uh, this was for the 28th of October... They're running out. 26th of this month, is that's it, it's finished. How much can you claim? There's £404,000 that you've won. Are you, why don't you check? Over in East Ayrshire, for the 22nd of November, somebody has yet to claim a million pounds. In Liverpool, the ticket bought in Liverpool, for the 22nd of the 11th, a million pounds. They've only got, you've got about a month to claim before you lose the million over in Stirling Council area, Stirling Council, somebody bought a ticket on the 17th of December and uh, they've got until the 15th of January, February, March, April, May. They've got until the 15th of June to claim over three million pounds. You'd think you'd be looking carefully at your ticket. Another million pounds bought in the city of Leicester on the 23rd of December. Nearly two million uh, bought on the 28th of January this year in the London Borough of Barnet. There's £1,804,000. Check your tickets if you bought one in the London Borough of Barnet. Northumberland, 225000 Uh Tainbridge, million pounds bought on the 14th of February. 6th of March, Euro million, 72000 Shepway District in Kent. It's not that far away, is it? Borough of North Tyneside, 13th of March. A Euro Millions ticket, it's worth a million pounds. And finally, from Thanet District, on the 20th of March this year, Euro Millions, a million. A million pounds is sitting there waiting for you to claim it. They're begging you to claim it. Please claim it. Please check your tickets. Because what these million pound ones were, were probably the lucky bonus numbers underneath, which, of course, a lot of people don't check. And you know what you might have done? 
you might have thrown the ticket away. You check the numbers, you go, no, there's nothing on there, throw it away. And yet there's those lucky raffle numbers... And they were worth a million pounds. That's why there's a few, quite a few million pounders coming up there. Please don't let it go to waste. I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. They go, oh, it goes to good causes. Yeah, right. Uh, Dean says, I phoned the RSPCA eight times about neglected horses in Airfield before they even called me back. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was really quite angry because I thought, wait a minute, I've given to the RSPCA. I'm a huge supporter of animals, and yet they seem to faff If it's a television programme, they'll be there all singing, all dancing, all bells and whistles. And yet here is a dog on the television. I mean, I would have thought, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the RSPCA, would they not, for a programme like Britain's Got Talent, have somebody who is down there? If they say, oh, we, we have an animal act, checking that it's OK. Because whenever they do animal programmes in America, there's somebody there from an organisation in America that looks after the welfare of animals, and they say... You know, we, we, no animals were harmed. They were all treated very well. Well, they might be. But I still don't think it's normal sticking a plastic thing over the muzzle of a dog. You know, could it breathe properly? Also, There's all sorts... Whatever it is, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care if it's funny. You know, it'd be funny if you tied my auntie Edith up and sort of made her operate as a vent. Actually, to be honest with you, I think probably she is a vent. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another great day out at the Black Country Museum in Dudley. A whole working village with a coal mine, back-to-back houses. Lots of shops, working blacksmiths. Uh, thank you, Greg. Yeah, I like places like I've never been to it. I've seen it on the telly. And I thought that would be a good one, the Black, the Black Country Museum. It's one of those living villages. And you go there and people dress up in... In, in costume. Well, it's not really costume. It is clothes of the period. And it's brilliant. It's, it's, a, it's a faithful recreation of what life would have been like. Which, to be honest with you, when you actually watch the television nowadays, there's not a lot to smile at, is there? There's quite a lot of old, old dross, I'm afraid, on the television. It's got to be bad if Saturday night, the best they can get is, uh, is a remake of Total Wipeout, only not with a decent presenter. You've got Benjamin Shepherd on it. And it's the same, it's the same programme. That's all it is. I never understood. I said to Richard Hammond, why have they dropped Total, total Wipeout with Amanda Byram? It was brilliant. People going, yeah, I'm, I'm really good at this smack as they fell off four giant balls, which were on sort of springs. Brilliant programme. Brilliant programme. Never should have dropped it. It always should have been there. And yet they've remade it with Ben Shepherd because ITV are like that. They can't quite work out, you know, the people that they've got at the moment, uh, why they have to keep using the same one. So it's either that. I mean, dear God, thank God, it wasn't Pip Schofield. I couldn't have coped if it had been Pip Schofield again, because he's on so many programmes. It's like Claire Balding. She's finally admitted in the papers that she's on too many programmes. What were we saying before? You know, what you don't want to do is make the public go click. Claire Balding, click. Claire Balding, oh God, click. Claire Balding, click. Claire Balding, another interview being a lesbian. Click. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You don't ask, you know, Amanda Byron what it's like being heterosexual. Click. Don't do that. But they have to limit the amount of things they... She admits that she has said yes to loads of things. You know, because people obviously like the work and the the money's great. But then, think, you know, you don't want to burn your little bridges, do you? You don't want the public to end up hating you. You want the people to sort of like you as much as they they can. And uh, if the public go off you, then you're completely up a gum tree, I'm afraid. You can't go any further. 84850. Oh, I, I forgot to mention as well. Um... Um, uh, one of my listeners and avid fans was married to a man called Ronnie Carroll. 
Ronnie Carroll died the other day. He was a Eurovision singer and an election candidate as well. And, uh, boy, was he a looker. Was he a looker? There'll be many of you listening. He was born in Belfast. Uh, he's died at the age of 80. His biggest hit was Roses Are Red. Represented the UK in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1962 and 1963 with Ring-a-Ding Girl and Say Wonderful Things. He got fourth both times. Fourth both times. So um, he was born... I love this. See, I, mean, I love it. Ronald Cleghorn. And he was married at one stage... To Millicent Martin. He died on Monday following a, a short illness. So to the family uh, of him, we say um, sad passing, but at least he made a lot of the newspapers today. That's uh, Ronnie Carroll, the former Eurovision Song Contest entrant for this country who's died at the age of 80. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Tuesday, 14th of April. Somebody says the Hillary Clinton stroke gay story has been around since the dinosaurs. Good God, how old is this woman? Apparently, it ran for months and months and months. Uh, is there any truth in it? Well, actually, strangely enough, it's, you, can, you can always find somebody, can't you, who will say, oh, there's definitely truth in it. I know all about this. I know about that. You know, would it actually make any difference? No. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it's it's just one of those interesting things that makes the press every so often. So you can go onto the internet and you can find loads of stories about Hillary Clinton and who is this close personal friend. You could do it with a lot of big Hollywood stuff. They're funny about it in America. It's not the same as over here where you can't shut them up about it. You know, the moment somebody comes out, the papers have to print it all over the place. In America, they, they'd rather not. They'd rather keep it sort of under the wire, and so people don't talk about it. I mean, you've only got to look at Liberace. And, you know, Liberace denied to his dying day that he was gay. In fact, even on a documentary that he made about himself talking about, you know, the why I have never married. Because you're gay. <laughs> you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't complicated. And he's sitting down with his sister, dictating his, uh, his autobiography. And then... One of the blokes he went out with wrote his autobiography. He said, when you read Lee's autobiography, he said, every time he talks about girls, substitute that for boys. And even after Liberace died, his manager, Seymour Heller, was denying emphatically. They thought it would be bad for business, whereas I shouldn't imagine anybody gave a flying forex. Nobody cared about Barry Manilow. I haven't seen any backlash about that. Only because people going, really? Good heavens above. You know. As I say, we all laughed when H from Steps came out. We go, no kidding. That was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Uh, also, the best of British. What is the best of British? It's the things that you go, that's what makes us proud to be British. And so it's, it's fish and chips. Haddock and chips could be off the menu soon. Apparently haddock is running out. And cod's quite big. I, I, I do like occasionally, I haven't had it for a while, fish and chips. We've got a very good fish and chip shop in Twickenham. And, um, and I've only ever had it once. Just not very brave with fish and chips. And it does take brave. When I left, talk about brave, I came out of here yesterday morning. I walked out and it was lovely. The sun was out and I thought, so I wanted an extra button. You know what you do. And I thought, let them look if they want to look. And as I'm walking down this, it, it's wrong to call it the alley that runs next to the building. It's got all the cafes and things like that. Across the bottom, in what we call the triangle, a fox. A fox, sl not running, ambles across the front. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, it's a fox in daylight. I didn't think we saw them in daylight. And so it sniffs around one of the waste paper bins. And then it heads off in the direction of the, the back of the National Portrait Gallery. 
jumping red lights completely. And so I thought, good, a fox in daylight. And there was a lorry driver sitting there. They were emptying the rubbish. And they were looking at it as well. Obviously going, it's a fo- it wasn't like a small fox. This was a fairly big fox with a big brush on the other end. And as I got nearly to the bottom, this thing comes back. Total, no fear whatsoever of people. It comes back into the square and it starts, it gets as far as our front door. After that, I didn't know where it went. And I'm thinking, that's unbelievable. I didn't know, you know, I've seen, I know we have foxes, but it's the first time I've ever seen one in Leicester Square in daylight. You know, I've seen a couple of them in daylight before, but they've generally got mange. But this one didn't look like it had mange, but it was going round the bins and it was marking territory. I could see it was marking territory. Interesting. And I even tweeted us, I've just seen a a fox. It was very, very brave. And somebody went, don't you mean bold? I went, no, no, it was brave, believe you me. There's lots of restaurants around here that could have that on the menu in about five seconds. Um, The nurses who don't have time to feed the sick are in all the papers today. We'll come around to them a little bit later on. But also, it's the best of British, isn't it? What is the best of British? So it's, it's fish and chips, it's the Queen. Apparently, it's Stephen Fry is the best of British. David Attenborough is the best of British. She, Dickie Attenborough would have been best of British for me as well. And um, what else would be the best of British? What would be something... I was tempted to say a kebab. But I don't really think a kebab could be the best of British. <laughs> Interesting if it was. I'll run through the list a little bit later on. You'd be quite surprised at some of the things which are on there, which they go, are the best of uh, British. Uh, Danny says, Frankie Boy- Boyle pardon me, went to my school many moons ago. I think he's hilarious, but offensive. But then but then you know what you get. If you buy a Frankie Boyle DVD, you know what you get. If you read KT Hopkins' column, you know what you're going to get. It's as simple as that. Because some of the other columnists are saying exactly the same, if not more. And nobody mentions them at all. In a short space of time, she's gone, you know, from being, you know, just Katie Hopkins to being the reviled Katie Hopkins. You know, I used to pull her apart on this programme and, uh, and still do. And still do. Didn't change just because she appeared on In Conversation. We've got to get Susanna Reid in on In Conversation. Somebody wrote to me this morning that, that we had to ban them because I just put them down as being a bit simple. And they have a website where they look at celebrities' houses and estimate what they're worth through, apparently, this, this poor creature who can't spell for toffee. Only had, like, 20 followers, which meant, I mean, roughly you get more if you're a criminal. And so they were sort of looking at people's houses and then said, oh, Susanna Reid pulled you apart. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. Absolutely not. Susanna Reid did not pull me apart at all. We've corresponded loads of times. In fact, I only corresponded the other day to her. But, uh, no, you, listen, just because you don't like somebody on the television or you don't like somebody on the radio doesn't mean you don't ever talk to them again. That's why some of the people who write this stuff to all these celebrities, you know, uh, they don't have any friends. They've got nobody else. They sit there in their lonely, shallow existence on, you know, sort of dirty little scrubby bedsits, and they write this kind of stuff to celebrities. There was a guy in the paper the other day, not a celebrity. He was the man who filmed... The bloke at Aintree who was knocking over the other person who'd had a few drinks. And the man who filmed it has been getting uh, death threats. And you think, well, you're a bit stupid then, aren't you? You shouldn't have filmed it in the first place. Not the kind of thing we expect to see filmed. And uh, he said, my wife's pregnant. Well, then don't film it. Ridiculous, these people. Uh, In the papers today, August and April, it'll hit 77 degrees in the sunny south. 77 degrees. I hate it. I do not work well in heat. I cannot work in heat. Actually, uh, everybody agrees the same. If you're working in a studio, it's got to be cold. 
cold is great because cold means that you can actually function properly. If it's if it's warm, it send, sends you to sleep, <laughs> makes you a bit drowsy. And I have been known to get quite a bit drowsy. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, a lot of people talking about Hillary Clinton saying it is an old story about Hillary Clinton's sexuality. And it, it sort of resurfaces every so often. There's just something, as I said yesterday, I just don't like her. She comes over as patronising, smug, self-centred. In fact, actually, funnily enough, I kind of prefer him to her. Chelsea Clinton, I wouldn't have given you threepence for years and years ago. And, uh, Jackie says in Ascot... The new Claire Balding show on Friday is a repeat of the show that's on BT Sports Channel and is aired earlier in the week. Yeah, the problem is, Jackie, that when it's shown on the BT channel, it gets about four people watching it. So they have to do it. And this is, is this her, her chat show? Why does everybody want to do a chat show? Why does everybody want to do a... You know, they all think that they can reinvent the wheel. But of course you can't. You can't reinvent the wheel. It's been done. There is nothing new on radio that you haven't heard before. If I hear something new on radio, I'll tell you about it. But there is nothing new on radio apart from honesty. I heard a programme the other day. I was, uh, I was out driving and it was attempting to be a double-headed programme. Well, as I've pointed out before, to do a double-headed programme on the radio is really difficult. Anybody goes, oh, it's really easy. No, it's not. I promise you, it's absolutely not. It is one of the most challenging things because at some point, somebody wants to emerge as the main presenter and somebody's got to take the back seat. And that'll be the other person in it. And if they don't, it's a dreadful mess because both people are then trying to vie for attention. And I heard this programme and quite clearly the, the, the presenter, a man, thought of, uh, said his bit and then obviously pointed at the woman who then chipped in with just inane ramblings. There was nothing constructive, nothing interesting about it at all. And I remember thinking, God, they're not going to last, are they? It, it sounded so stilted. And I know because LBC has been past master at doing double-headed programmes in the past. You know, we really have. Because it's a difficult thing. And especially when you're doing speech radio. Speech radio is even more complicated. I used to do a double-headed programme a long, long time ago. And it was easier for, for me and uh, the girl I was working with, Therese to do an hour each. I said, listen, I'll do the first hour, you do second, I'll do third, you can go home early. Next week, you do first hour, I'll do second, I'll go home early. And that's how it worked, and it was so much easier. So much easier, because otherwise you're battling. You don't want people to think that you don't have the personality, you don't have the ability to hold a programme together. So when you hear people that, are, that aren't really that good and they're bluffing it a bit, it sticks out a mile for me. Whether it does for everybody else, I don't know. I'm really not too sure. But uh, but very interesting, very interesting either way. But uh, if anybody ever says to you, oh, you must do a double-headed programme and you've never done one before, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll be, the, it'll be the downfall of you, I promise you. Anyway, apart from that, nice to be company. I hope we've managed to make somebody rich. This It'd be nice to think somebody listening went, you know, I'm just going to check my ticket, Steve. Oh, it's me. I'm the one with the million. Thank you. Uh, launching the Jane Asher Kitchen Range, Poundland. Apparently, it's pulling in posh shoppers. This is an old story, actually. I remember reading this ages and ages ago. So there's going to be all sorts of things in there. Researchers reveal 57% of Britons now use discount stores every week. Well, there's nothing the matter with my friend Graham won't go in them. He won't even go in Iceland. Whereas I enjoy going in there. I like having a look round just to see what there is. But I've suddenly worked out that in Poundland's case, and we have a Poundland, um, 
It's very interesting because some of the branded items they have in there are made for Poundland. So, in other words, that they, they sell coffee, branded coffee, but it's made for Poundland, which means it's probably not the same quality you'd get if you bought the other coffee. So I'm always very wary. And sometimes it is a lot cheaper to actually go to the supermarket and buy the stuff there. Don't think because it's in Poundland it's, it's cheap, because, because it isn't a lot of the time. Mind you... What do what, what what is it called when sneaky firms make your favourite products smaller, but they don't shrink the price? I think that's called ripping you off. And uh, way at the top of the list, Cadbury's. Oh, Cadbury's managed it. You remember that we were the first programme to break the news that Cadbury's cream eggs, uh, far from being a box of six, they'd managed to keep the same price and make it a box of five. You know, and I remember thinking, a box of five. I thought we were boxes of six. Uh, in Cadbury's Dairy Milk, they've now got rounded chunks in the Cadbury's Dairy, which is lovely. Unfortunately, it contains 14% less chocolate. It's a sneaky way of doing it. Tetley tea bags. I mean, it was only a short while ago. Tetley, 80 tea bags. Blend of both. Now, 75 tea bags. They gradually knock them back. Even Light Philadelphia from Kraft, it's actually down 10%. But at least they say it's healthier with less fat and salt. But they're all at it. They're all at it. All these manufacturers. You've got one here. I mean, in Cadbury's fingers, as you know, they're actually down two fingers. So that's they, they sort of made big jokes about that. A chunky Kit Kat, 16.6% reduction. Not in the price, just in the chocolate. John West, no drain tuna steaks. 7.6% less. Surf, washing powder, tropical lily, and liang liang, liang liang, that one. You know, it's down 20%. Which is the worst one? Which is the worst offender? Cadbury's dairy milk, 14%. That's not good. Oh, wait a minute. Cadbury's cream eggs multi pack, 16.6%. It's just, it's just not on, is it? It's being a bit naughty. Even Aunt Bessie. Aunt Bessie is, is up there with them as well. Uh, she's nicked 50 grams of your chips. They've gone from 750 to 700. <laughs> and of course, you don't check it. I don't check it. He said when, when the newspapers mention it, I, I feel duty bound to tell you about it. There's a lovely picture today in the. You'll have to see it in the Daily Mail of a chameleon on a branch. You'll have to do a double take because it's a person who's been painted to look like a chameleon. And to be honest with you, it. You're hard pushed to see how it works. It's really clever. And so it's a woman. I think it's a woman. Oh, no, sorry, it's two two naked models, one on top of the other one. And they've painted them to look like a chameleon. And it looks like it. It's only when you see the woman's head round by the tail that you realise that it's two people. Clever, huh? We could have that done here, actually. No, we couldn't. I've just realised. Oh, and fake tan mania, as I reported yesterday on LBC. It's fading away. Nobody wants to look ridiculous. Fake tans, spray tans, you know, tans you apply on and then they rub it on with gloves. and that, That's really gone out the door. It's gone out the door. It's a bit like watching the presenters on Gemporia, or as I prefer to call it, the people who are so excitable, you know, crossing the road is probably a, a momentous occasion for them. I, I do sit there watching. There was one woman the other day, and uh, I think she's one of their oldest 
presenters on Gemporia, and she should never model earrings because she appeared to be, appears to be growing sideburns. And I wanted to say to her, but I can't talk to the television, you should buy a no-no. I've seen all the adverts. It can take away all this hair on your face. And she goes, I can't believe it. We're actually, this is the best thing. And you always know when it's not sold... Because and on Gemporia especially, they go, right, well, everybody pays the same price. You've only got one. There's loads of people there. Let's move on. You've not sold it. And somebody in the gallery has gone, move on, move on. It's dying. But people like buying that sort of rubbish, don't they? Because it makes them feel better. 12 minutes to five. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. So it is the uh, Spitfire. Steve is the best of British. This list that's been compiled, and they've come up with the Queen and David Attenborough and Stephen Fry. But they say the Spitfire, the best of British. Yeah, I bought some films the other day. Remember I told you that I'd got slightly carried away on Amazon and I decided I wanted Judy Garland's A Star Is Born. Then I wanted the uh, Barbara Streisand Star Is Born. So I've ended up with all these things. And I've also bought Night at the Museum 3. Don't ask me why, because I haven't seen the other two. I've got them, but I haven't seen them. So today it's going to be taken up with a with a duh, duh, duh kind of day for watching films. I quite like that. I quite like the idea of watching films. It's it's a nice way to relax. There's a lovely story in the paper today. I, I, I did smile at, uh, at the sheer stupidity of Kim Copeland. Kim Copeland comes from Coventry. And she's uh, out the other day, like a lot of people, like many of you, and she's got a ciggy on. And what does she do? And she throws it away. She threw the cigarette on the ground on her way home from shopping. Anyway, a car squeals to a halt. Two women get out and run towards her and give her a £50 fixed penalty for dropping litter. Because if, if everybody who smoked dropped their cigarettes, and they do, it's like the chewing gum. I mean, I've lost track of how many pieces of chewing gum you see stuck on the pavements, under tables, all over the blooming place. I found it once on a, a theatre seat, and I tucked my legs underneath the seat, and it was only when I went to move, and I thought, oh, somebody's put chewing gum under the seat. How disgusting is that? Anyway, so she she drops a cigarette. They give her a £50 fine. Uh, in ten days, you have to pay it. She didn't. She didn't pay it. In protest. Big mistake in Coventry. Big mistake in Coventry. They didn't waste any time at all. Into court. They took her into court. And she was fined £304 and £200 in court costs. For a, I know you might think it's trivial, but to be honest with you, let's kick these people where it hurts. You want to start, you know, there's loads of people who drop litter every day. I see it every day. Every day. I'm probably as guilty myself. I'm probably as guilty. I must of, at some point, dropped some litter on the ground. So she does it. So she appeared in court, March 17th. Happy birthday to me. And uh, the magistrate said £200 court costs, £304 fine. But uh, she was unable to attend as she had to care for her autistic son. She says, I can't believe that they took somebody to court over something this little. Well, Coventry City Council have a zero policy of uh, of litter. So uh, you'll pay it. You will pay it. And in fact, the longer you leave it, the bigger it gets. So, you know, you're not really being very clever. It's no good saying I'm not going to pay for this in protest because they'll just take you to court. They'll take you to court and they'll make sure. And eventually they'll come round and the and the debt collectors will start knocking on your door and they'll start taking things. So be very careful. You know, there's the, there's no way out of this one. You're not going to be not going to be a clever bunny. In fact, really, you're going to be the, the person who's going to look the stupid. The stupid. Actually, in, in Twickenham, we have a Lloyds Bank. 
as, as indeed do many places. Above Lloyd's Bank were offices, and the owner of the offices decided, in a, in a desperate attempt to try and get some money out of them, to convert them into one-bedroom flats. So they've been converted into one-bedroom flats, 14 of them, which is lovely. There's no parking. They've just got 14 one-bedroom flats. And they start at about £287,000. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a few, few breeze blocks. and I mean, nicely done. Don't get me wrong. They're very nicely done, because I've had a look. And, um, and now they've got planning permission. Well, they're hoping to get planning permission to put another four on the roof of this building. So on all these flats, so wherever you see flats, and I've seen it a lot around Regent's Park, there's a flat roof. They go, wait a minute, we can add an extra floor. And they apply for the extra flooring, and, uh, and they generally get it from the local council. So all you end up with is just, a, you know, the high street dead as a doornail. And they just put up more and more flats. So they've applied for four more flats. So just when you thought you were the top flat, no, there's going to be more above you. Another four. Where they're going to, are they going to put a, a, a thing? You have to drill up through the floor, I suppose. Remove all the things on the roof, which is like all the water tanks, and do something else. So can't wait to see how much they're going to go for. I bet they're going to go for about, well, if they're 300,000 underneath, these have got to be 450,000, I would think. Something like that. It's amazing, isn't it? Earlier on, I was hearing... Uh, you know, people talking about how much you get around the country. If you go and live in Scotland or Leicestershire or Liverpool or Manchester, there are still cheap properties, but they put up these flats. Everywhere you go around our place at the moment, they're putting up flats. They can't move for flats. All the office, but the Inland Revenue had a, had a block there, and that's being converted into flats as well. Everybody's gone flat mad. Absolutely flat mad. Sad story of the day. I don't like a sad story, but this one is poignant because we mentioned it on LBC and uh, a lot of you got very angry about it. This is the story of Stanley Evans. Stanley Evans was 93. And he was outside his home. And uh, a drug addict came along. A guy called Solomon Bygrave. He was going to help him with his shopping. But instead, he snatched his wallet. Luckily, he was caught on CCTV. And uh, Solomon Bygrave's a complete waste of space. Uh, got sent to prison. Well, they reckon he's going to be out of jail very, very shortly. Mr Evans is a former movie cameraman, 93. He's reached the age of 93, and to be mugged is just not very pleasant at all. But um, to pick on a person my age, he said, he must have thought I was going to be an easy target. I was in pain for three weeks. Uh, even the recorder at the time said that this old man could have died as a result. But this bloke could be out of jail in a year. All for £5. All for £5. I'm hoping that, you know, perhaps somebody runs you over when you, when you sort of come out of prison. I just can't believe, you know, if that was your father, you'd be thinking exactly the same, wouldn't you? Exactly the same. Uh, to pass your French GCSEs, any of you listening at the moment who do things like that, um, chat about rap and tattoos. Oh, chat about rap and tattoos. I don't think I could actually have a very long conversation about rap, I'm afraid. <laughs> Two of the most English things, Steve, to enjoy are afternoon tea and to spend the day at the test match. Do you know, that would kind of turn me off completely. The afternoon tea bit, yes, because uh, my friend Michael, who's James O'Brien's producer, uh, and I and probably a few others are going to go out for afternoon tea. It's quite a nice thing to do. Go to a London hotel, you know, 27 quid or whatever, and you can eat as many sandwiches as you like. And believe you me, I can eat many sandwiches. In fact, so much so that I never get, never get round to the little cakes or the petty fours. Uh, all we've got to do is find a place and book it in. And that's the big problem in London, because everybody is doing afternoon tea. Uh, nothing on television these days, says Paul in Bournemouth. So I watch 60s, 70s stuff in the middle of, uh, of the Edgar Wallace thrillers. Black and white. Lovely. Superb nostalgia. I quite like the idea of nostalgia, and that's why, I mean, I have got... Although somebody said it makes you very common if you've got lots of DVDs. 
you know, you're not posh anymore. They did a, a feature, which Christo did in the in the papers, of what makes you posh and what makes you common. And so and th- things like, uh, uh, what is it? Quilted toilet paper, coloured, is apparently common. Posh people only have white. You can have triple pr- pr- triple ply paper, but it's got to be white. You can't have a mug tree. Mug trees are common. I thought, thank God I've not got a mug tree. But I have had mug trees in the past. I've also had a thing in the kitchen where you put the kitchen roll on. Like, just like sort of a... Looks a bit rude. But you keep that in the kitchen. There were loads of things which I had which turned out to be quite common. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit miffed by this because I thought I was quite posh. But obviously I'm not. You've got a King Kong what? King Kong, King Kong kitchen roll holder. Lord, it's even worse. Well, I mean, you're just beyond common then, aren't you? If that's what you've got, a king... I've never even heard of such a thing. A King Kong <laughs> kitchen roll holder. I mean, that just... That's, where do you buy? I don't even know where you buy stuff like that from. Did it come from some little shop in Brighton where they sell all that tat? And as you walk out, you can see them going, we wondered who bought it. It'll be him. People, because I do enjoy going around the tat shops. Don't don't get me wrong. You can't beat a good poundland, as far as I'm concerned. I love looking at at some of the things, like little bits of fencing, and you think, where would I use that? Nowhere. There's no. There's no. I bought bulbs before from Poundland, but they were so rubbish. They were so rubbish. I vowed never never again to buy to buy things like that from there. But I love going round. Don't get me wrong. I love a I love a bargain. I'm all in favour of a bargain i love i love sort of going to someone you look at you think i mean for for parents with kids poundland is a godsend because you can buy the colored pencils and you can buy the big coloring books and kids love stuff like that i myself enjoy coloring in as well sometimes to keep it with inside the black lines is really difficult but i like doing that and sometimes you can get you know a little palette of paints and you can do painting in there as opposed to using fiber pens and i love sharpies Love Sharpies. Over in Costco, they've got a Sharpie thing. It's got about 50 Sharpies of all different colours, which are really... Yeah, about 50. I didn't know there were 50 colours, but I suppose there must be. Red and yellow and pink and... Oh, well, perhaps there must be. And uh, but they've got loads of these Sharpies. In fact, actually, it's now tempting myself to go and buy them because they did them in a big wheel at one time. And I thought, kids love that kind of stuff. They love colouring in, don't they? Simple thing. And But my, my favourite, plasticine. Does anybody sell plasticine now, apart from little shops? Probably Toys R Us you could get it from. Either way, it's, it's the simple pleasures in life, which is why I'm here every morning between 4 and 6.30, because I am a simple pleasure. Being the 14th of April and being a Tuesday as we rocket through this month. I mean, seriously, did it only seem like the other day we were on Easter holes and I got my parking ticket? Uh, Madonna. In the papers today, stop kissing young men. You're an old woman. They don't like it. Maggie's right to buy Dream is back. Alan Turing's book sells for £700,000. That is a lovely book to have. Uh, the dopey robber who holds up his own mother-in-law in the shop. Kim Marsh has admitted she's never voted. Big surprise there. And the mum who penned the hate slurs to an openly gay teacher. He's in deep shock. I am as well. She's really unattractive. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Tuesday, 14th of April. Oh, my 
where is this year going to? Before we know where we are, we'll be singing Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly and putting up a tree again. Maggie's right to buy dream is back, according to the, uh, the papers. The Syrian-bound Britons heading home after deportation. The son of the mayor still grinning inanely. Perhaps he's not all there. Banish your back pain without pills, one of the papers tells you. Good news, Catherine Jenkins is pregnant. That's nice, isn't it? She's bound to have a gorgeous child, you can just tell. And um, that really old show on the television. ITV think it's going to win them the uh, the battle on a Saturday night. I don't think so. And Piers Morgan, he's really looking for a job. What does he do for a living? Answer, not a lot at the moment. And the boss of KFC says it's Ken Yucky. This is the man who brought KFC to this country. He's in his 80s now. And uh, he's not the boss of KFC anymore. But he said he wouldn't touch it. He said they should have stuck to just chicken. That's what it was. It was Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken. Not all these other little bits of extra. I mean, I don't think the, the Colonel did, you know, fizzy drinks. and I don't know whether he did fries or not with it, but it was just chicken at one point, which is that sort of simplistic side. Anyway, he said it's, uh, it's, it's gone to the wall, as they say now. Not so exciting. Uh, a lot of people are saying, what happens if the deadline passes uh, for your winning lottery ticket? Uh, well, quite simply, you've lost it. There is a deadline on all of them. It's, I think it's six months. And once that's expired, or three months, uh, then it goes into the good causes pot. So you lose it. And also the other one that, uh, that you can't get away with, it's no good saying, listen, I buy the same numbers every week. You know, I bought them this week and then I've lost the ticket. Uh, they're not going to buy into that at all. Because you, you have to produce the ticket to get the prize. So, and people have tried everything. People have said, oh, the dog ate it, or it was in the washing machine, and here it is, and you can't quite read all the numbers, but that's the winning ticket. And they go, yeah. And they've, they've had arguments with people before over it. Unless you can produce the winning ticket, it's got your signature on the back. Because if it is a winning ticket, you sign the back of it as quick as possible to make sure that if it falls out of your pocket, you don't lose it. You don't want to lose those winning tickets. And it's quite a lot of money, isn't there, up for grabs. About, about 12 million we came up with earlier on. Um, I will bring you the uh, the story about uh, Alan Turing's book and the talking dog. It's escalating, this one. It's not going to be going away any time soon. I don't care what this ageing Frenchman says, who's a ventriloquist. Not a particularly good ventriloquist, it has to be said. Uh, the talking dog. The RSPCA say they're now going to be investigating. But only because you draw their attention to it. You drew their attention. Up until then, the RSPCA were happily sort of counting the money in the coffers. They weren't doing anything at all. You'd think they'd be monitoring television programmes. And they'd have gone to the paper and say, we're going to be investigating how this dog is being made to do it. You know, is he sticking needles in its bottom to make... No, it's electronic. It's a piece that fits over the, uh, over the dog's muzzle with hair on it to match the, the hair on the dog. And that's what you don't see. Next time you see it on the television, you'll be looking more carefully going, oh, right. That's what it is. But, I mean, is it, is it right that this thing is moving? I mean, doesn't that frighten the dog a bit? Apparently he's been training it since it was a puppy. But only you could, you could probably train a slug, couldn't you, to do something. Other stories in the paper. I like the one about banishing your back pain. It is one of the, the worst things that you could ever have. And uh, it causes a lot of people. More, more days work are lost through people taking time off for, for back pain. Because I've had it. I've never actually managed to get into work with back pain. But I've had it at home and I've gone, oh, God, it is, it's the most awful thing. You can't even describe what it's like to somebody. It's just a searing pain that rockets through the, uh, the back. Uh, Kim Marsh has done an interview in OK magazine, uh, because that's what these, these people do. They don't have any life, and in an effort to try and get some more money, they, they sell every aspect. That's why, when I've tried to point out to people in the past uh, why I'm 
you know, sometimes not particularly kind about people, ladies and gentlemen, but, you know, they are people who deliberately set out to exploit every aspect of their own life. So I just jump on the bandwagon. And uh, she's thinking of having um, Botox, which is fantastic. She's twice divorced. And she's got a personal trainer. They're going to have ten bridesmaids. God, it sounds chavvy already, doesn't it? Really ghastly. She says, have you seen the faces I pull in Corrie? I frown all the time. Oh, dear. She started watching herself. How unwise. Never never trained, as you can tell by the uh, the programme. But she's going to have Botox. Oh, dear. So fake as well now. Not so good. Although, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of her. Um, she was a very good interview for In Conversation. She had a book that came out. And it, it was it, she was a good interview. She, you know, that's all I can say about it. She was a good interview. Uh, Christopher Eccleston has revealed he quit Doctor Who because bosses wanted him to drop his northern accent. <gasps> Those northern accents. Why, eh? You know, bake a groove and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't really work, does it, northern accents on the television unless they're doing a period drama. And they don't do those very often. But when they do do a period drama, that's when the northern accents fit in. It's not the most attractive. You know, listening to the people on Geordie Shore, I mean, frankly, you know, for us down south, we, we watch the programme with fingers and ears. So you don't actually have to, to listen to them. Uh, the amazing statistics of our working lives have been revealed. What we all clock up in a lifetime of clocking on. You know, because there are, contrary to what you might read in the papers every day, the vast majority of this country get up and go to work. And they go to work because they like going to work, because they meet the people, and it's social, and you're doing something, and somebody rewards you at the end of the week or the month, and they tell you you've done very well, and uh, and then you've got some money in your pocket. That's how it works. You know, for me, from an early age, from the age of 15, I was working, and probably many of you as well, who would remember the days when you could leave school at 15 and get out there and go to work. £5.19 and six my first week. How much did I take home? About a pound, because I blew it on a jumper and, and I didn't even think about it. My mum said, how are you going to live for the rest of the week? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Paul says, so right about the pound shop products. This is Paul who had his birthday yesterday and is probably no doubt still celebrating. The likes of uh, Nestles. You see, I, used, I still call it Nestles because it was Nestles Milky Bar. Now it's Nestle. Nestle coffee makes special size jars just for them. Either that, or you'll often see that they import from the continent where the packs sold are smaller. It's not illegal to do, but as you say, you find it works out cheaper to buy bigger sizes at the supermarket. Many things that they sell in Poundland are cheaper in the supermarkets. Really. I mean, I was, I was seeing, what was it, washing up liquid in Poundland for a pound. Well, I can go to Waitrose and get roughly the same thing for 75 pence. So if you really want, I mean, I suppose if you want to wear out your shoe leather, you can walk backwards and forwards and sort of get uh, get cheap stuff all over the place. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. <laughs> I like the review of a television programme. Uh, this was by uh, Brian Hayes, who, who reviewed a television programme. Uh, it consisted of a studio full of people yelling at each other. He went, oh dear. Yes, that, that is the point, isn't it? There's not much, that's not really very exciting. You know, a lot of people shouting at each other. You get that outside courts on a regular basis. And uh, Ian says, I saw a fox in broad daylight running up and down the city road, probably looking for an eagle or a weasel. You know, do, do you remember hearing that? Do you remember that song? You know, half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. And uh, it turns out that the eagle was a pub. And I can't remember what a weasel was now. They did try and explain it to me some years ago. It was, it was done by uh, uh, Anthony... Wow, whatever his name was. Him. <laughs> Who did it? Uh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Let's try and uh, weave some more in. Another one here very quickly. Try and get round to a few of them. 
Uh, when people send messages, sometimes I can't read the messages in the studio. They don't actually come through, but I, sh- I shall try and uh, try and find them as quickly as possible for you. I'm a listener from Sri Lanka, and I've been listening to your show for a long time. Uh, I just came across on the internet there was another Steve Allen who did. It was a radio presenter doing a show called the Steve Allen Show. Yes, he's dead. He's dead, and he's uh, and he's uh, he passed on many years ago. Many, many years ago. <laughs> uh, 84850uk. London is a city on my bucket list. Yes, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there is so much to do in London. In a, in a short, in a short sort of area. You know, if, if you start in Leicester Square, you've got Piccadilly Circus, Regent Street, Oxford Street. You can go to Buckingham Palace. It's all within walking distance. There's nothing, nothing too bad. You go to America, it's all, oh, everything's miles apart. Takes forever to get anywhere, but I, I love London, and I always say whenever I I have people over from abroad and I do my tour, only because I used to do a program with Diane Burstein about London, and she, and I just absorbed everything she said, so I try and remember all the little things you know about where this is and what that was, and and I just love it, absolutely love it. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you're aware, says Stuart, but Kraft have taken over Cadbury, not just chocolate being cut, but also jobs. Yes. Well, that's what happens, is it? When a company takes something over, they look for for saving money. They like to save the money so that they can then spend it on other things. And in fact, when you actually look at all of our cosmetic companies, it comes down to about the big three who own everything. But they keep them as separate companies because you believe you're dealing with that. It's like going to a funeral director. I think you, will, I think you find in this country, most of the funeral directors, I think it's more than 80%, are owned by huge big insurance companies. But they keep the family name because you think you're dealing with a family, but you're not. You're dealing with a big, a big insurance company. And that's, that's how it works in this country. So, I think, you know, for example, Dombey and Sons funeral directors, if it does exist, I do apologise, but uh, they, they would keep that name and the family might still work there, but they're owned by a big company. Because you like to think that's what you want to do. You, you don't want to deal with a big company. You want to deal with, you know, somebody who you think can understand exactly what you're going through. Um, Steve, one of the first confectionery items to drop in size were Western's wagon wheels. Yes, they're actually quite small now. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed. But when I was, but mind you, is that, a, is that a child thing? You know, when you're little, everything looks big, doesn't it? Everything looks big. You put it in your hand, you think, God, that wagon wheel was, it was, it was like curly whirlies and stuff like that. A curly, that, they were the size of your hand. Now you look at them and you think, hmm, they look a bit small. Perhaps they've shrunk. And the answer is they have. What hasn't is the price. It's quarter past five. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. And on Nick and the team at breakfast, the Conservatives are launching their manifesto. Home Secretary Theresa May joins Nick to explain more. And more than 3,700 people are supporting a mother and son as they resist deportation. They want to be near their son and brother's final resting place. But is that a good enough reason to allow them to stay? Gitahari, Director of Communications at News UK, is doing the paper review. That's after the morning news with Lisa Raziz at 6.30. So, uh, quick... Oh, there's a new girl coming in to to Corrie. And apparently she's going to be Roy Cropper's love interest. Oh dear, I'm not sure about this a bit soon, isn't it? We've only just buried Hayley. But uh, she's going to be the love interest. She was uh, Aveline in the BBC comedy Bread... And uh, she says, I might have a bottle of wine before I go on Twitter. 
That was over her fears of reaction from fans. Oh, dear. Well, I hope not. I hope people will be kind. It does seem a bit quick, though, but you have to remember, it is only a soap opera. It is only a soap opera. Uh, Margaret Instant Ives says, A star is born with Judy Garland and James Mason. I saw it when it was out on general release. The scene of James Mason walking into the sea still haunts me. By far the best version of the film. This is the story. If you've never seen it, uh, there's been about, dear, about six or seven versions of it. And I think this one is good. It was brought up to date by Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And it's always the case of husband and wife. And uh, he's very successful in the case of Judy Garland and James Mason. And then she becomes the star and he turns to drink. And he can't really cope with her success. She's deeply in love with him and doesn't really know what to do about it. And the studio saying, listen, just leave him, just leave him. You get on, you make this film, you sing, you do this, and all the rest of it. And in the end, he uh, he can't cope with it. He's, he's, he's drunk, he turns up at an award ceremony where she's just been given, I think, an Oscar for something. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well done. And he's, he's the embarrassing drunk. And it's sad, in a way, because she's so in love with him, and I think everybody realises who, who watches the film. And in the end, he does what he has to do, which is he has to take his own life because he can't he can't live with her and he can't live without her. And so he takes his own life so that so that she can go on and be successful. It's a super film, super film, black and white, if, if I remember. And so I'm looking forward to watching that a little bit later on today. Uh, stupidest criminal was general. Well, most criminals are stupid when they're caught. They've now found out where they got the drills from for the Hatton Garden heist. They reckon they were stolen four months ago. And they've got CCTV footage of these people. So it's, I mean, the net closes. The net closes. But this is uh, Kyle Iveson. Uh He's a hapless burger. He's a bit dumb. He, uh, he turned out... Uh, Sorry, turned up in a shop where his ex-girlfriend's mum was working. So she knew him, even though he had a mask on, and he he threatened her with a kitchen knife. He's been branded Britain's dumbest crook. I mean, he is so stupid. But there again, dangerous at the same time. And uh, so, you know, he actually put on a fake voice. Oh, I don't know. But uh, Karen Brown said he has a certain walk. Although he had a scarf around his face and hood... I recognised him a mile off. He was holding the knife and demanding I open the till. And so she did. She gave him, you know, 650 quid out of the till. He's a heroin addict. Anyway, he was uh, he was caught immediately because she called the police. And he's from Birmingham. And he was yesterday jailed for three years. <laughs> you have to laugh at the stupidity of these people, don't you? Gary Barlow's in a number of papers today. He says, I tried to crack America with Take That and on my own, but failed. I never dreamed I'd do it with a Broadway show. There's something I've heard Gary being into. I was, perhaps, I was hoping secretly that if Louis Walsh was going to leave uh, X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, whichever one he's on at the moment, because I can't remember, uh, I was hoping they'd put Gary Barlow back on it, because at least he's honest about things. As a person, I think he's ultimately boring. You know, he is, but, uh, but on something like that, at least he knows what he's talking about. He's been there. He's had the success. Then he had years in the wilderness. Then he came back again, and he's, he's become very successful. He's not the most, you know, staggering person. He can't dance for toffee. But there again, most of them in Take That couldn't. They're now down to a threesome. Three people in the group, so like a trio. Doesn't sound as, you know, as exciting, does it, really? We found, actually, if you thought we found the most hapless burglar, we found the most stupid mother here. This was at a zoo in Cleveland... Ohio. And this mum was dangling him over the railings of the cheetah enclosure. I don't quite work out why you'd be doing that. He was two years old. 
And uh, officials said the screaming lad's parents, because they, they sort of... He sort of... He was dangled over by his mother. I mean, for what purpose? I've got no idea. Unless she's a bit simple. And then he fell in. So they screamed. Luckily, the uh, the cheaters ignored the terrified family in the enclosure. And just, you know, they didn't, they didn't attack or anything like that, which they could have done. The boy injured his leg. And... Uh, People were sort of, I mean, why are you be dangling a child? There's some really dumb people out there, aren't there? Fire chief said the mum had been holding two children when the toddler fell. He was already out of the pit when the crew arrived. And uh, officials at the zoo are considering filing child endangering charges. Oh, absolutely. Go for that one in a big way. Bosses at the Metro Park, which managed the attraction, yesterday due to serve a summons on the mum and dad who've not been identified publicly. They will. By tomorrow morning, you'll have pictures in all the papers of the stupidest parents in the entire world. The story which, uh, which Darren Adams did the other day about the, the chess grandmaster who checkmated himself. He kept sneaking off to the loo to consult a mobile phone app during a game, not realising that people would know exactly what he was doing. So king, queen, bishop, knight, pawn and crook. And off he went. I know it's an old gag, but it's the best you're going to get at this time of the morning. I've never understood chess. If I lived to be 43, ladies and gentlemen, I really couldn't care less about chess. And I've had so many chess sets over the years. Why your parents buy you chess sets for birthdays and Christmas? I've got no idea. I've had wooden hand-carved chess sets. I've had ivory chess sets. I've had travel chess sets. I've had magnetic chess sets I've had chess sets just right. and I've always looked at them and I've laid all the you know the board out and then I've just sort of just left them and wandered away the most boring game under the sun I never understand chess I never perhaps that's why I think it's boring Holly and Davina you know Holly Willoughby's got a new show made I think by her husband's uh, company and I think the brief must have said it's quite funny because uh, Ian Highland is talking about it today um, and the the scenario goes as such ITV boss, we need something for after Britain's Got Talent on Saturday nights. Minion. We could put any old guff there, boss. Captive audience in it. Boss, true. But at least it needs to look like we've made an effort. Could we get a big name in? Minion. We could ask Holly Willoughby. Oh. Boss. Oh, what? Minion. She'll probably want her husband's new production company to make it. Boss, that's fine. One condition, though. She needs to flash her cleavage a bit. Minion. I'm sure that won't be a problem. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly how Holly Willoughby's woefully pedestrian sporting quiz play to the whistle came about. But if you have any better explanation, says Ian Highland, I would love to hear them. Plus, if you're wondering how on earth team captain Frank Lampard managed to sit through the torture of the first show, I'm not sure. There may have been a clue in his revelation that he often pops blood blisters under his own toenails. I mean, you know, Holly Willoughby, lovely though she is, dear God in heaven. Does her husband snap his fingers and go, OK, Holly, on here. Okay, I want you to do a dirty show with Keith Lemon where, you know, you go down to the lowest common denominator, in which case we all go, oh, God. You know, it's the nothing she won't sink to. And then the next time you're on This Morning doing a human interest story, we go, oh, is she nice? And now, obviously, somebody in very misguidedly has thought that you're a quiz show host. And unfortunately, and this is going to sound terribly sexist, women can't present quiz shows. It's not their fault. They just can't do it. The nearest you got to it was Anne Robinson. But, I mean, as I say, we're not generally talking women. You know, in Holly Willoughby's case, she's sort of flashing boobs and all the rest of it to try and get some interest going in possibly the most awful show that I've ever seen on the television. Mind you, not half as bad as anything Christine Bleakley does. And I don't want to be rude again, but Ian Highland says, for the record, I really enjoyed 
Christine Bleakley's new ITV travelogue, Wild Islands. However, he says, I refuse to believe the rumour that it was actually commissioned by mistake after somebody asked what they should do next with their big money star. And he said, can't we just send her back home? <laughs> he said, uh, my refusal to believe it doesn't mean it's not true. Because, I mean, again, ghastly presenter. Probably very personable person, probably very nice. But when it comes to presenting programmes, it's lame. You know, and Frank Lampard. I mean, dear God, whoever told this man? I only discovered the other day, well, actually, I've known for some while, that Frank Lampard had a sex tape released. I'd forgotten about it, actually. Do you remember? Do you remember? In a hotel room with a couple of other players, there was a sex tape of Frank Lampard. Still on the uh, internet, apparently, so they tell me. Uh, what's worth catching up on the television at the moment? Not a lot, I'm afraid. Not a lot. However, sources claim that Jeremy Clarkson pulled out of hosting Have I Got News For You because he was worried about being humiliated by Ian Hislop and Paul Merton, which is what I said. But it turns out, actually, he'd just seen the backstage catering menu. More like, I'm told, they only do sandwiches. And he was looking for something a little bit more, which is lovely. And uh, Susanna Reid's had to apologise because somebody swore on television the other day. Isn't it funny you don't get it on radio? Because we've got a little button. You just push the little button and it vanishes before your uh, before your very ears. In fact, you never even get to hear it at all. But on television, they don't have such a thing. Uh, Danny Cohen says, Having a large DVD collection makes you common. Don't tell my mum. She'll never be able to shop in East Finchley again. <laughs> I've got a huge DVD collection. I didn't realise that people thought it was common. I'm slightly disturbed by that. Uh, another example says Edward in Mitcham. Smaller product, but larger prices. Munchies. I think it's by Mars. Easiest way to check the sizes, smallest to check cereal products. I've given up with cereal products. I only liked it when I had the free gift. I should like looking for a hippopotamus in a piece of piece of plastic. <laughs> 84850, steve at And another one here says, it's all well that they're giving us the right to buy housing association property. The thing is, I pay my rent on time. And they don't do our uh, repairs. I'm in my 80s. Uh, it's, it's an 80s build. We have rotten single-pane windows that can't be repaired. And they don't want to replace them, says John. Well, oh, that's the problem when you're in that, uh, in that sort of uh, situation. Uh, Les says, how do I get LBC on my radio, my posh Renault? Don't be silly. You know I'm going to say that Renaults aren't posh. I'm not going to, you know, I can't, I can't lie. Uh, Barnet Foxes, Steve. Uh, in Barnet, the foxes are brazen. Yeah, I mean, I'm just amazed at how many are them. Pop the weasel means to pawn them. Uh, the tailors, says Anna. Anthony Newley, the half a pound of tuppenny rice. And it's about taking your suit to the pawn shop. In and out of the Eagle, though, that was the pub, wasn't it? There is a pub called the Eagle, isn't there? I thought there was, anyway. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six. It's LBC. It's the 14th of April. You're very welcome. If you need to get up to go to work, up, up, up. Actually, I didn't think the trains were so bad yesterday, although there were delays all over the place. Dan, who's our barista downstairs, he, he was he was late. Other people couldn't get in because they, the trains were cancelled. And when we got to Clapham Junction yesterday, just a couple of stops outside of Waterloo Station... Uh, they were saying there are delays to the trains. I didn't know what the delays were, but either way, it certainly screwed up a lot of people yesterday. And so I'm assuming that most of the little kiddiewinks are back at school. Uh, Joan Collins is ex-Tony Newley, who recorded Pop Goes the Weasel. But being only 39, says Paul, plus that, 
Uh, doubt she'll remember his other big hit, Strawberry Fair. Like, rifle, rifle, rifle. Yes. <laughs> he had a very mannered way of singing, worth a listen on YouTube. And after watching Graham Norton's beard on that Eurovision Greatest Hit show, I wonder if he loaned it to the bloke doing the dog vent. And yes, I did stop celebrating the birthday about an hour ago. Melanie Hill, who's coming into Corrie, was the second Adeline in bread. The first was Jilly Coman, who passed away several years ago. Melanie was formerly Mrs Sean Bean. Oh, really? On the subject of actors taking roles over Drama Channel, they're now showing the first series of Bread, which features Shirley Stelfox, now Edna Birch in Emmerdale, playing Hyacinth Bouquet's sex-mad sister Rose. Oh, is that the, yes, I knew that one. I knew that one as well. I do like watching these early things. I think they're, they're, they're very well done, actually. And uh, it was Anthony Newley, says William, and the origins um, thought to be popping or pawning the weasel Cockney rhyming slang, weasel and stoat or coat. Right. It's a bit like Dusty Bin, isn't it? I never understood those things at all on the television. Blue over in West Texas says, oh, yes. And uh, apparently Humour, Hillary's 17-year buddy, is married to Anthony Weiner, who's the ex-congressman with unfortunate habit of sending photos of, of his Weiner. Uh, you couldn't make these people up. Revolting phony, says Hillary. Uh, sorry, says Blue, sorry, in West Texas. Yes, I, there's just something... I don't, perhaps it's the hair. Perhaps it's the hair. Perhaps it's Hillary Clinton's hair that annoys me. Or the fact she's so strident and looks like she uh, she rides roughshod over everybody. She doesn't appear to have any, any humility. And that's... You know, I expect people to be a little bit humble. And Hillary Clinton doesn't look to me like she does humble. She looks like she does anything but. You know, she probably thinks she's sort of nearest thing to royalty. Or something like that. There's a picture of a footballer on the front of the sun. Luckily for him, I don't know him. All I can tell you is his name is uh, Raheem Sterling. Is that how I pronounce it? Raheem Sterling. Oh, right. Oh, blimey. Did better than I thought. Raheem. Raheem, sorry. Raheem Sterling. He's inhaling from a balloon, apparently filled with dangerous legal high hippie crack, before seemingly passing out. It's laughing gas, is it? Oh, right. The grinning Liverpool ace 20 was filmed days before scoring in last night's 2-0 victory over Newcastle. So they've done a, a picture. I mean, what is it with footballers? I don't know why. So they've, they've got... A, didn't affect him, but you know what it is? It's these little... This nitrous oxide, which comes in little... Fire, you can see them all over the place. You probably think it's people sort of, you know, blowing up balloons or something. It is. They're squeezing it into a balloon and then putting it into their mouth. Um, in a decade, there have been 17 deaths with it. Just like I mentioned that now. Uh, the cops can't stop the set. You can buy it on Amazon. And even worse, you can order it now. And if you order, say, 20 or 30, they will hand deliver it to you. These little capsules. You've got no idea what's actually in them at all. Um, Carol Cooper, the son doctor, said it's no joke, this stuff. You laugh at it. But there again, he's, he's 20 and he's a bit of a simpleton. And um, he was sucking from the balloon during a late night session with two friends. He seems to pass out and is shown lying on his side. Seemingly, they think this was shot at his home. Uh, but nitrous oxide, often called laughing gas, because it can cause the giggles, but it's no joke, works very fast and can give a rush or cause intense relaxation. But it also produces dizziness, disorientation and sometimes hallucinations. Headaches are a serious side effect. I mean, it is, you know, quite dangerous. People do die because the brain is at risk of oxygen starvation when somebody inhales a lot of it. So, just tell you that now. 
So, you know, if you read of any more deaths, you could say, well, they quite clearly weren't listening to LBC. But there again, nobody ever said footballers were intelligent, you know, if that's what he wants to do. I don't know if they contacted him to ask. Oh, that's right. Last night, his, his agent and Liverpool refused to comment. <laughs> For what reason? What, is that because it makes them look stupid? I don't know. But anyway, he, uh, he says he's a devout Christian. What's that got to do with it? Well, he's saying that devout Christians don't do things anymore. And uh, he follows a strict regime. He says, I've become a better person, especially in how I live my life off the pitch these days. Oh, right. There you go. It is the second most common high among 16 to 24-year-olds. Apparently, dozens of celebrities have been pictured trying it. Even Prince Harry. Well, that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. But a 20-year-old footballer who then sort of talks about being a devout Christian. What's that got to do with it? They do talk drivel, don't they? Um, Here's the Hatton Garden thieves again. They've got the suspect van uh, with uh, number plates. So it's, it's, it's merely time. It's merely time before they sort of clamp down on these people. And uh, you'll see somebody in custody. And once you've got one, then there's going to be another one. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Um, another one here. Amazing how Chris Eccleston, Steve, uh, didn't want to drop his northern accent for Doctor Who, but had no problem dropping it for the smash film Gone in 60 Seconds. It is, it is odd, the things that you will, that you will not take to on television. And obviously a Doctor Who with an accent would be one of them. Bob in Walthamstow reckons the best of British steak and kidney pudding. Not pie, pudding. They sell it on the television. In fact, they were doing one on QVC the other day where you can buy uh, lamb. And, of course, you know me and lamb. It doesn't work at all. So that was an instant turn off. And then later on, they I've noticed actually on QVC, they sell more creams that apparently are the new miracle. The new miracle cream. This one does this and this. And it's only twenty nine ninety nine. And you think it's not a miracle. It's just that they've got loads of it. The profit is huge and they're trying to sell as much as possible. And they're very, very successful at it. Because if all of these creams were the miracles that they tell you about, oh, this tightens up here, takes away this, takes away that. And you think it doesn't. It doesn't. That's the trouble. You're selling a pipe dream to people who, you know, probably send off with it. They've probably got bathrooms full of it. Bathrooms full of it. But there was one of the guys, there was a woman on there the other day, and she had a famous ex-husband. I can't remember who he was, but he was a, a big Hollywood film actor. And at the moment, his, his name has, uh, has escaped me. But she was selling her stuff. They all go on there. Because in America, as Joan Rivers discovered, you could make millions selling your range of jewellery or creams or perfumes, all sorts of or spray, all sorts of stuff that people want to buy. Best way to do the lottery, Steve? Is uh, is online and by direct debit. If you win anything, get an email. I know, but do you think they really do check it? I'm slightly dubious about it. I do mine online. I do mine online. But I've I have asked myself the question on loads of occasions. Do you think they really do tell you when it wins? Because <laughs> there's so many numbers in that computer. I, w- I would like to think. I would like to think. And I and I do get advice occasionally. They do say, you know, to, I mean, I, I had some the other day, and it was a whole twelve pounds. Well, I'm not really going to get very excited about. Uh, £12 on the lottery. If it's a million, I'm going to get very excited, but I'm not going to get excited over £12, I'm afraid. Uh, Ali Ross is the one talking about the the mystifyingly popular Rochelle Humes. Well, I think it's just people. They shove her on television often enough. They go, oh, she's really popular, but I don't think she is. In fact, I'm pretty certain she isn't, actually. Uh, Great TV lies and delusions of the week. Good morning, Britain's Helen Pearson. It's good to have you on board today, Piers. (laughs) I love it. And BBC One's Claire Balding. It's the boat race. Anything can happen. 
And Britain's Got Talent contortionist Magdalena Stolova, 36. Yeah, right. I love Ali Ross. I think he's brilliant. Uh, another interview. It's obviously, The Mirror and The Sun have both got a Gary Barlow interview. He says, I hate the name Gary. Apologies to anybody called Gary listening to the programme at the moment. He said, it could have been worse. My mum wanted to call me after Guy the Gorilla. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, Gary? There's something interesting about Gary Barlow. He does do good songs. And at the same time, it's probably made him an awful lot of money. But you get the feeling that he could be the workaholic. In fact, I'm pretty certain he is obviously a workaholic. But to crack it in America, that would be the thing. Didn't they used to use laughing gas in dentists years ago? Yes, they did. They did. I had one, actually. I had Valium. They gave me, I think it was Valium gas uh, for something. Because if you have any gas or injection in the dentist, which puts you under, they've got to have a nurse present just to make sure they can bring you back again. And I can remember having something done at the dentist years and years ago. And uh, it was quite a nice sleep, actually. I was fairly happy. The only thing I didn't like was having the thing in your mouth to keep your mouth open because it's, it, it sort of has a gag reflex. And uh, and they put this thing in. I thought, no, I take it out. They'd put it back in. I take it out. And then you have to kind of compromise because when you, when you go to sleep, apparently they can't open your mouth again. It's not like it's sort of like a ventriloquist dog where you just push a button and it moves up and down. It's not like that at all. It takes them for ages, so they can't do it. So they have to put this thing in your mouth, which keeps it open, so they can then sort of get in there and drill. I hate it. Everybody hates the dentist. I've never met anybody who loves the dentist. Perhaps that's something peculiarly British. Uh, Steve, read chocolate getting smaller since you were a child. Are you sure it's not your hands getting bigger? Well, it probably is. But definitely chocolate is is getting smaller. I don't care what anybody says. Most things, you know, you look at it now and you sort of think to yourself, no, it's it's definitely smaller. That's what I think. I think it is. Uh, 84850, uh, Liz says, I've just seen the picture of Denise Van Outen on the golf course in high heels and short shorts. What does she look like? She looks like Denise Van Outen on the golf course with short shorts on and high heels. I mean, nobody ever uses high heels on the golf course, but she's desperately trying to drum up some sort of interest in herself because she's going into Coronation Street. Uh, the one who's gone out with her photographer friend again is Kelly Brooks. She's found a new boyfriend. He's a French model. And uh, so they've got loads of pictures. He must have, the photographer must have been standing right in front of her because otherwise, why would you be bothered? And uh, they went... They were, they were canoodling during visits to Notre Dame Cathedral. Oh dear, how tacky. But there again, that's, that's Kelly Brook for you. Fairly tacky. Um, there's a dreadful story of a couple who go to a, uh, a graveyard. They were tending grave. Two pensioners, an 82-year-old widow and a 90-year-old female friend, they were targeted after arriving at the cemetery. They were robbed. They left their car unattended when distracted by a man asking for help to find a grave. When they got back to the vehicle... In Staines, in Surrey, the woman's handbag had been taken, contained £10 and her bank cards. They're hunting two men. Detective uh, Constable Gemma Nash said she condemned a despicable crime which left two people traumatised. I can imagine, actually, you don't expect that when you go to a cemetery, do you? But some people will thieve from anybody. Talking of thieving, here he is. Philip Gilbury is today's common thief. He's a benefits cheat. Oh, I can barely walk. I can barely move. And uh, he managed to get £12,000. He's 65. He's just a common thief. Luckily, he pictured in all the papers today. But the investigators, obviously, somebody tipped them off. And so they got him unloading heavy crates from a car. He worked on five allotments. They found out he managed gardening shows and presented rosettes and awards. He's just a common lying criminal. The cheat told Plymouth Crown Court the claims were honest at the start, but he continued getting benefits after his fitness improved due to weight loss. You liar. 
You lie. Anyway, he has to pay back £11,735. Good. Good. Otherwise, he's going to come round and firebomb your allotment. That'll upset you, won't it? Luckily, there's pictures of him in the paper today. He's moved to um, a place called Galmpton in Devon. God, what an embarrassment to be heaped on Galpton. Already you've got a disabled allotment cheat down there. It's not good news, is it? Uh, a quick time check for you, seeing as you're worrying about it this Tuesday morning. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's LBC's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. So the boss of KFC, this is the man who brought KFC to Britain, says he refuses to eat there claiming the company has ruined the brand. This is Ray Allen. It's, no, not the ventriloquist and no relation to me. Uh, set up the first 400 restaurants of the fried chicken chain after meeting Colonel Sanders in Chicago in 1965. So it only goes back to 1965. And uh, the millionaire, who's 87, who sold the UK business in 1973 reckons bosses have lost their way by trying to sell too many different dishes instead of focusing on the chicken pieces it's famous for. He says, we got one where I live, but I wouldn't go in there. The company's ruined the product. Instead of staying with one good thing, they've tried to compete with other fast food units. They should have just stuck with the chicken. Wife Shirley, 84, says, we tried one a year ago. There were so many different products, it was difficult to know what to order. Ray from Jersey opened a KFC every week. During the 1960s peak, he's one of a handful of people in the world who know the secret recipe. I mean, I love this. These secret recipes, they have it for Coca-Cola, don't they? There's a secret recipe, presumably for Pepsi-Cola and loads of other things. There will be a secret recipe and nobody knows about it. Well, surely a laboratory could just analyse it. I can remember, you know, somebody writing off to, to Colonel Sanders and saying, you know, could you let me have the recipe? We'd like to make it for ourselves. And uh, they they obviously don't. I think the the reason it tastes different is because it's deep fried, but pressure deep fried. So it goes in a pressure cooker, which is deep fried, which sort of which obviously produces that. But uh, I don't eat it very often because it's it's really bad for you. So he opened all these ones in this country. He's obviously a multimillionaire, isn't he? Very very successful. But I think they just sold when it first opened. It was chicken and chips. I don't remember anything else at all. I can remember you used to get a box full of chips and they put the chicken on top of it. Uh, nowadays, you get a little packet of chips, which is, you know, because they're obviously looking to make as much money as possible. Well, we consume something like 18 million chickens a year because it's, it was known as the, as the cheap food. It's very fast turnaround. Thank you to, uh, to William. Torva is the ex-wife of Ernest Borgnine who was the uh, presenter on QVC the other day. It is Torva. You're absolutely right. Torva, the ex-wife of Ernest Borgnine. And she had... Um, I think it was perfume. It might be perfume out there. And I, I thought she looked really good, actually. I don't know how old she was, but she uh, she certainly looked good. There's also a gran in the paper, the one we mentioned yesterday, who is five months pregnant at the age of 65 with uh, quadruplets. <gasps> good grief. Good grief. And uh, Jeremy Clarkson returns to the BBC next month, uh, but with his face pixelated and his name bleeped out. The Axe Top Gear presenter features in the new series of comedy W1A, which satirises life at the BBC in a fictional story about him saying, I can't say the word, uh, too much on the motoring programme. So the <laughs> pixelate him. You can't win, can you, actually, with it? I mean, I think it is absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, other stories which are in the papers for today. It's this talking dog 
Everybody seems to be... Uh, it's, it's either the talking dog, Maggie's right to buy dream being back... Uh, and this is the Tory housing plan helping, they say, 1.3 million families. The talking dog, because they can't work out which bit is the bit that fits over its mouth and how it works. And no, de- But, I mean, it's, you know, Simon must have seen this. I mean, he's a very intelligent man. He must have seen this on a programme because it was on America's programme about three years ago. So they've, they've been seen... And uh, they've been whizzed through to the next one. A spokesman for the RSPCA said it's not clear if Wendy was wearing any sort of muzzle or mask. Well, you think it's really talking, do you? I mean, what do you, you think it's a talking dog? Good God, and so they're more daft than I thought they were. Uh, Ofcom are assessing 21 complaints of animal cruelty. So the trouble is we don't know how it's fixed on, do we? How does this thing stay on the dog? Is it over the whole face? I mean, what is it? We don't know. Mr Mitral who's about 190, says he's been working with this dog for, for years and caring for her for the last five years. She loves performing. She just sits on a table, dear. It's not okay she loves performing. She's sitting on a... What, what is the performing bit? She sits on a table, you push an electronic thing, and the mouth moves up and down and we laugh. It was done years ago on humans. You can buy for vents. It's a plastic piece that fits over... And you, you squeeze the little bulb. They used it at the Royal Variety Performance. I think you'll find that Frank Bruno was the hapless victim in that particular case. And, he, and they, they put this plastic mask on him, which just clips over the ears. And then you move the little plastic bulb. You know, you used to get years ago a plastic bulb with water in it and squirted water out of a plastic flower. Well, it's based on that principle that you do it and the jaw drops up and down. And so it makes them say silly things. And if you've got it interacting with a ventriloquist then you can make people look really, really daft. They all, they all know about it. I mean, it's, it's nothing new. You can just go online and probably buy them. Very simple to buy. Other stories which are in the, uh, the papers today. Who gambles on love in Gambia? This is this hapless man here, Britain's most gullible man, falling for a woman from the Gambia, despite being left by two previous wives uh, who've taken his money. But now he's found somebody else. And so I think this is about the fourth interview that I've read with him. He doesn't have anything anymore. So uh, how long she'll stay with him, I've got no idea. But it's, a, it's an interesting story. It's, it's a story, really, of just don't trust anybody. Don't trust anybody at all. Uh, what else did we have in the paper for today? He turns 80 this year. Oh, this is Jim Dale. I'd love to, he turns 80. I can't believe Jim Dale is turning 80 this year. And uh, he's, uh, he's going to be at the Vaudeville Theatre from May the 26th, uh, doing his his one-man show. He says he's treating the milestone like somebody half his age. He went off to uh, America, best known, I suppose, for the 11 Carry On films, everything from Carry On Cowboy to Carry On Cleo. He's also done Shakespeare, Noel Coward. He's also the much-loved, in America, the voice of the seven Harry Potter audiobooks. Stephen Fry did the British ones. Uh, not bad for a working-class lad from Northamptonshire. I think we should get him in for in conversation, don't you? I mean, he's he's a big deal, Jim Dale, and he's only over, so May 26th to June the 20th. He says, I'd like to go bungee jumping, but my wife won't allow it. It's amazing, isn't it? These people in, in show business, and it's, it's specifically showbiz, they get to their 80s. Look at Angela Lansbury the other day. Even in her speech, she said, I'm just coming up to 90. Just coming up to 90. And Jim Dale turns 80 this year. You know, and he, I remember when he went to America, um, you know, and it was, it was a big deal for him. And so he went over there and he, would, he did all his own stunts. He said, the, the only one I had a great friendship with was, the, was Kenneth Williams. 
He says he was the only person who would come over to the house and he trusted me and he would sort of tell me all sorts of things. Uh, but common, I, uh, comedy has been a big thing, I suppose, for Jim Dale over the years. Uh, he's got, um, away from entertainment, married first for 22 years to Patricia, mother of his four children, Toby, who's an actor, Adam, an award-winning helicopter cameraman who's filmed everything from James Bond to Harry Potter, Murray, a set designer, and daughter Belinda, who tragically died from leukaemia. He got his second wife called Julie, who's got a, a New York gallery 35 years ago, and they live in Manhattan. He says, I find it best to live where your wife does. <laughs> It'd be very interesting, wouldn't it? I think he'd, he would make a, an interesting subject for In Conversation. Definitely. 84850, uk. I was going to bring you the weather for today because uh, we've been telling you for the past few days that it's going to be a heat wave, that we're going to have temperatures which are going to rival Spain and it's going to be wonderful. This morning, a lot of low cloud and uh, no doubt the fox will be out again. Now I've seen it the once, I'm convinced I'm going to see it every day. I'll try and get a picture today. So bright afternoon, plenty of sunshine. Currently seven degrees. What do you think we're going to get today? Yesterday you got about 16. Today I can offer you 23 degrees, ladies and gentlemen. 23 degrees. Double it, add 30. You're up into the 70s. Tonight, dry and clear. Light winds for much of the night. Uh, relatively mild, despite it being a clear night. And uh, tomorrow, dry, warm Mostly sunny day, perhaps becoming a little cloudier in the afternoon. And Thursday through Saturday, cooler, remaining dry with mainly light winds. Rather cloudy Thursday and uh, perhaps also Friday, but more in the way of sunshine on Saturday. So that's not bad, is it? I think we could accept that. We accept the fact that it's actually quite nice and things are going well. They said it should hit in the sunny south about 77 degrees. That's what, that's what you're, uh, you're looking forward to, 77 degrees. Of course, hopeless, really, isn't it, if you're... Uh, a person who's not on holiday at the moment and you've got to suffer by travelling and commuting and getting on the trains and sitting there and sleep. Sleeping's bad, isn't it, in the heat? I can't sleep in the heat. I've got a fan in the bedroom and I'm not letting them out for love nor money. Amuse myself. It's an old gag, but it's worth repeating. But I, it's the only way to sleep. In the in the summer, if you're, if you're working sort of overnight, very difficult to sleep. I tell you, there's two things. First of all, you've got to have a blackout curtain. You've got to have so that no daylight gets into the bedroom. And I tend to find the easiest and cheapest way was to get some bin liners, sellotape them together, a bit of Velcro at the top, and stick them over the window so that you can actually keep out any sunlight. Because once you get that little chink of sunlight in and you're trying to sleep if you're a night worker, it's an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Uh, keeping up appearances, not bread, when I mentioned Shirley Stelfox as Manchester. Foots Paul, my first senior moment this year. Shirley was married to the much-missed Don Henderson, who played Bullman. And someone, I think, made a great in-conversation. Yes, you, you could be right, actually. Uh, after he sold KFC, Ray opened his own chain, Allen's Fried Chicken, and actually used many of the original branches he founded, including the one next to the Odeon on Oxford Street, here in sunny Manchester, which only closed a year ago, as the whole site, including the cinema, was being demolished. Everything's being demolished. You go around London, there's not much of it left. It's just all being pulled down. It's terrible. He says, I think he used the original KFC recipe as well, and all his restaurants had menus with photos of him and the Colonel on their walls. Yes, he, he really was a, a, a proper person, wasn't he? Colonel Sanders did actually exist. And it was his secret recipe of herbs and spices. I'd love to see it. Love to see it. It's LBC coming up to the news at six o'clock this Tuesday morning with Steve Allen. Maggie's right to buy dream is back, they say. The best of British, the Queen... And our amazing sense of humour. Alan Turing's book 
sells for £700,000. Now that you would like to get your hands on. The Syrian-bound Britons are now heading home after being deported. Uh, one of them, the, uh, the son of one of the mayors of this uh, great land. His father said, no, he's a, he's a big supporter of Britain. Not how it appears to the rest of us. Nurses just don't have the time to feed the sick. Kim Marsh admits she's never voted. I will tell you about the mum who penned the hate slurs to a gay teacher. And Catherine Jenkins is pregnant. It'll be a gorgeous child. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 14th of April. As we move ever nearer you voting, and I keep discovering more and more people aren't voting. The amount of 15 million, I think, at the last count. Five years, no, 35 years after Maggie's visionary policy. According to the front page of a few papers this morning, Cameron pledges property dream will become a reality for 1.3 million more families, the right to buy a new revolution. Everywhere I go at the moment, they're putting up flats. Everywhere I go, flat. I mean, in my area, and uh, you know how ridiculous the house prices are down south, they're just literally, they can't convert office blocks quick enough. So it's office blocks, new builds, knocking down this, putting up housing... And uh, people, I suppose, find the money from somewhere. Kim Marsh has said she's never voted in her life. How on earth can you get to 30 and never have voted? Perhaps she's frightened they'll sort of catch up with her. Alan Turing's book has sold for £700,000. Now, that would be a book worth having. That's not bad at all. Ofcom are investigating the talking dog on Britain's Got Talent. Uh, it's a it's a Ventact from France. He's not British. It's got nothing to do with us at all. It's a, it's what they call a cabaret act. He will take it around the world and the dog will sit there. It's a trained dog. You might as well have had a chimpanzee or budgies or anything else like that. But this is a talking dog, which uh, Simon sort of seems so aghast about. You know, like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And yet it's been on one of his programmes before. This bloke's been on various TV programmes. In America, they've had something very, very similar. So why people don't know about it? We pointed out before, perhaps Simon has selective memory loss because sometimes he can't remember anything at all and other times we have to remind him that these people have been on the television for ages. I mean, this man is a working professional vent. He's not somebody who lives in a council house in, you know, Prestatin or something like that. He's a working professional vent. And he goes on television, and now people are saying, oh, no, it's cruel, because they don't know how this mask is fixed on. The RSPCA apparently, depending on which paper you read, were consulted about it, and they didn't seem to have a problem with it. It's just that the public... Don't seem to like it. Well, I say the public. They've only had about 21 complaints so far, which isn't a lot. However, if it goes viral and these things can all of a sudden go from nothing to everybody complaining about it, this one could be uh, could be bad news. Whether or not you want to see it on a Royal Variety performance, I don't know. I think the Queen sits there thinking, well, we watched the programme. Thank God we didn't get the lap dancer. Uh, in one of the episodes, says uh, little Julie with Christopher Eccleston as the doctor. His assistant, Rose, asks why he speaks with a northern accent. The Doctor replied, every planet has a north. I thought Christopher was very good as the Doctor and was quite sad when he left after one series. Although we did get the lovely David Tennant next, who lost his Scottish accent when playing the Doctor. You see, you're an expert on these things. I don't know anything about this at all. It all has to, you know, I've got no idea. Uh, I bet packets of Tupney rice and treacle are smaller now and they've upped the price, says Ian. Yes, we were going back onto the half a pound of... Half a pound of Tupney rice, half a pound of treacle, and trying to work out what it meant. And somebody did tell me 
uh, Dave, that a weasel is an iron they used. Popped on a Saturday night to buy beer. A tailor's shop in Farrington. Lovely. I'm none the wiser, you know. I'm none the wiser on this on this stupid thing. It's ridiculous. 84850, uk. And uh, Jamie says, I work nights. Having to sleep in the day and like you, hot days make me miserable. I just don't do hot days. I mean, it's it's very nice. You know, people do like nice weather. I should imagine for Brian at Twickenham Station, nice weather. Lenny down at Waterloo, it's probably nice just there because it, it never seems to get too hot at the station. But I'm quite lucky at Waterloo Station. Sometimes when I go back, they're handing out free ice lollies. Not very often. Not very often. And uh, Kevin the Milkman says, loving the weather. Report, Steve. Legs out. Tattoos on show. Happy days. <laughs> you are correct about chocolate bars, says, uh, says Barbara. There was a show on television over the weekend where somebody complained about how much less chocolate you got in a tin of Quality Street. All manufacturers agreed they had made adjustments to keep costs lower as the price of cocoa over the years has gone up. Cadbury said they now have rounded edges on the bars of chocolate as it saves four grams of chocolate per, per bar. Yeah, 14 percent, 14 percent smaller. And so that mind you, I quite like it rounded, but I mean, at least be honest about it. At least if they were honest. All the others give the cost of ingredients as the reason for the size reduction, except Mars and Slickers bars. Manufacturer says chocolate on bars was thinner and bars smaller to watch the calories per bar. It's a good, good excuse, that one, isn't it? Good excuse, that one. We're watching the calories. Peter from Ashford says, Steve, a room full of people yelling at each other. That must have been EastEnders. It probably must have been. And uh, somebody says, have you noticed, big lottery jackpot winners are almost always middle-aged married couples. Oh, really? There have been young people, haven't there? You're right, not not that many. Paul says, don't trust the National Lottery number checker. It told me my numbers hadn't won when I've had three numbers and a won 25 quid. Well, I mean, I always you have to trust it because it's in a computer and computers are as reliable, I suppose, as I think they uh, they can be. I know that my numbers are logged and, and normally they do actually tell me, you know, if I've won. I just haven't won that elusive big prize. Uh, Christine says Tova Borgnine has been making her own perfume for many years. Her signature is a lovely fragrance. There you go. You see, I knew you'd all know about it. Uh, they use laughing gas in the dentist, Steve, because they all look down in the mouth. Thank you, Eamon. Um The 65 year old German woman you just mentioned with the quadruplets already has 13 children. I know. Wow. Uh, and the Brent Cross flyover. Accident with a car and a lorry westbound. Traffic building up, one lane blocked. When is there never traffic blockages in London? I think every single day when I came in on Saturday to take Joan and Wendy round. I've never seen so much traffic. I I tend not to come in to town over the weekend unless it's early in the morning because I have to on a a Sunday morning. But it was, uh, oh God, it was chock-a-block. So many tourists everywhere. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love tourists. I love seeing tourists. Not all the time. It's quite nice to see some of them. <laughs> Front pages of the uh, the papers for this morning. The uh, the Mail are running with uh, Maggie's visionary policy, right to buy a new revolution. Blue is the colour for dazzling Kate. And this is Kate Winslet. My God, her figure seems to change on an hourly basis, doesn't it? But uh, very glamorous, as per usual. Daily Express, get ready for the 80-degree Fahrenheit blast this week. Uh, the NHS in crisis, the, four, the sick are forced abroad for routine operations. They did a, um, a table in one of the papers today. I can't remember which one it is. But they were talking about how much it costs to go and get things 
done abroad. And to be honest with you, you can save a small fortune. A lot of people go abroad for dentistry and cosmetic surgery and stuff like that because it's cheaper over there. Britain's Got Talent, the truth about the amazing talking dog. It's a ventriloquist, OK? There is no, no truth about it, apart from the fact they're now trying to work out whether or not what it's got over its face is cruel and restricts it doing things. I don't know. I mean, there are strict rules involving animals on television. When I had a show on Channel 5 with a crowd of us, including Nick Knowles and Esther McVeigh, I remember the time we had a rabbit on. I can't remember why we had a rabbit on. There must have been some story in the papers. Liz will probably tell me what it was. Mind you, probably neither of us can remember. And so this rabbit came on, but we had to have another rabbit as well, in case the first one died. So you had to have a stunt rabbit. So you had the first rabbit, and then there was a spare sitting out the back in case the first one dropped dead. No, I never understood it either, but it cost a lot of money. That's all I remember. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Andy says, it's not just Doctor Who's accent. How come the interstellar Time Lord always transforms into yet another white British male? Don't know. I have to ask the writers about that one. I've got no idea. Mick and Khalid are still delivering beds. Says, our, our new Doctor has a strong Scottish accent. Big eyebrows as well. Big eyebrows. I love big eyebrows. Big eyebrows are definitely definitely a winning thing. Uh, the Daily Mirror, banish your back pain without taking pills. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to buy the mirror to find out. It's the, it's the biggest problem for people nowadays, isn't it? People who uh, want to sort of go to work, but they go, oh, the back today. It can be all sorts of things. The nurses, the health service crisis, patients being denied pain relief, food and water due to NHS cuts. And this is interesting, isn't it? Because did, was somebody not saying... As part of their manifesto, don't worry, we're going to come up with another 20,000 nurses. And I said on the programme yesterday, from where? Where are these people coming from? Not, you can't just magic nurses out of the air. You know, you, you couldn't train enough nurses, like the midwife story that Petri was running on Sunday. You know, everybody's going to be having midwives. And uh, it's going to be, where are they coming from? Where are these people around and why haven't we used them up until now? That's why, you know, I always ask these these questions because, I, as I say, during the uh, election, you're going to have to try and fathom out exactly which bit is achievable and which bit is not achievable. And so far, you know, it's all looking a bit sort of pie in the sky. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's uh, Tuesday, 14th of April, 6.20 is the time. If you're going on holiday, uh, you've really made a big mistake. The weather's going to be nicer here than actually going abroad, so you might as well cancel the holiday, stay here, check your lottery tickets. There's about four or five, six, I think, million-pound winners out there who've won, not on the numbers, but you've won on the, the other bits, where they give you these, what do they call it? The other little bits. On the lottery, you get these sort of lucky numbers. You get sort of B274, whatever it happens to be. And uh, those people, the instant millionaire ones. And there's about six of them, six of them out there. Uh, Mick says, are they all proper nurses these days? Most of them look like cleaners. Well, they are, but there's just not enough of them. That's what people are complaining about. The amount of times LBC has opened up the phone lines to people with your experiences of the NHS. And it's amazing how many stories seem to come back. I mean, the, the main one that happened years ago was mixed wards. You know, people being on mixed wards, elderly men and, uh, and women who were sort of shoved in together. That didn't work very well. I mean, every time, and I've only ever used it the once, the NHS, when I had my stents put in, I had no complaints about the service whatsoever. I thought it was exemplary. 
And I was so desperate for the food at the time. I thought the food was fantastic as well. I think I had beef stew and mashed potato. It was gorgeous with vegetables. But then it's like, after you come out of an operation, you could eat anything. For some reason, your, your taste buds have been reinvigorated. And I absolutely loved it. Now they're saying that nurses do not have time to give pain relief and to do food and water. So um, most people... Nurses said the sick are missing out on basic care. 65% of nurses in a survey said that they're missing out on basic care. That's why it's important that, you know, when you have somebody who goes into hospital, not all hospitals are brilliant. Perhaps I was just lucky with the uh, the Hammersmith Hospital in Duquesne Road. Perhaps I was just lucky there. And also I use the, uh, a couple of other hospitals around my way. In fact, actually, I've got to go tomorrow to one of them for, uh, for my eye test. And uh, they're always perfect. They're absolutely perfect. I haven't got any complaints at all. Sometimes you might wait a little bit longer, but I think some people just like sitting in A&E, don't they? For reasons best known to themselves. Um, what else we got here? On the front page of the, uh, the Independent, you've got the reign of rape and terror, the harrowing testimony of the former Boko Haram captives, and uh, all these uh, children, 365 days on, who were taken. Also, Cameron Banks on Thatcher's legacy. The Clarkson strategy for this week. W1A's back, and it's more realistic than ever. This is the story we told you about. Uh, and Jamie Oliver's come up with possibly the most sensible thing. He said, chewing gum would be banned if I ruled the land. I agree with him. Why can't they invent chewing gum that just disappears or evaporates? Because it must cost a fortune to clean it up. It's bad enough with pigeons. But at least those you can poison and we can get rid of them. You can't really do anything about the uh, about the chewing gum, which is everywhere. I think in, which, is it Singapore? Chewing gum is banned. If you drop it, that's serious trouble. So nobody, nobody uses chewing gum. It's all, you've got to be really careful with things like that. Over here, people just seem to spit at the best of times. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And, um... Another one here, very quickly. Uh, uh, Paul says, my, my dad would love to vote this time, but probably won't be able to. When we received the paper asking us to check our details and let them know of any changes, uh, we wrote an email to let them know that as he's now housebound, he'd like a postal vote. Since then, I've emailed several times and spent four hours on the phone trying to get it for him. The other week, we got a letter back saying the vote was approved, which we were pleased about. Until looking at the form discovered, they'd given the postal vote to me. After receiving assurances when I complained that he would get the promised postal vote, we received our voting cards on Saturday and still no postal vote for him. End result, I have lost the will to live. Dad's got no vote and now I can't be bothered to. What I ask myself, it's so difficult. Is it so difficult? You know, it's not rocket science to type in a few lines on a PC. Yes, I mean, there must be loads of people, thousands, millions of people who go for the postal votes. And that's it. What I was what I was amazed at was, was how many people had actually said they weren't even going to bother voting. Kim Marsh's excuse was, oh, it doesn't make any difference. I thought, well, how apathetic is that? It's only going to make a difference if you do something. You know, you have to, you have to make an effort, don't you? Daily Telegraph today. Uh, Bryony Gordon. I know her mum very well. But uh, they're, they're talking about children coming first, but not at any price. We are the true party of working people. Cameron to revive right to buy and give minimum wage earners a tax break. As I say, it's, um, you know, what would you like? Let's give you carrots, sweeties, give you just about anything. And uh, fancy a tasty bite. That's B-Y-T-E. A cookbook written by a supercomputer. 
So there you go, the newest cookbook on the market compiled by a computer. Watson, the IBM supercomputer that once won a US TV game show, was programmed to produce ideas of food combinations that would taste pleasant at a molecular level. And cool. I like that idea. I like that idea. So it's called um, Cognitive Cooking with Chef Watson. <laughs> it's a computer. Cognitive Cooking with Chef Watson. Raised for innovation from IBM and the Institute of Culinary Education. It's uh, got 65 recipes and it's available today. Finally, the Metro. Uh, the front page. This is the dopey robber I told you about a while ago. Also, the uh, picture inside is of a guy called Drake. And Madonna uh, starts snogging him. He's sitting on a chair. I can't, they're obviously at some, some festival. And uh, suddenly, his face was being sucked up by Madge. And he looked apparently absolutely horrified. Absolutely horrified. And, uh, and somebody said, really, Madonna should stop doing this. It's not very pleasant. People don't like it. Old lady, stop it immediately. Other stories, the Syria-bound Britons due home after deportation. Uh, one of them is Wahid Ahmed, seized with eight of his relatives, including four children. His, uh, his father said, my son is a good Muslim, his loyalties belong to Britain. If I thought for a moment he was in danger of being radicalised, I would have reported him to the authorities. Well, quite clearly you didn't see the warning signs, because a friend of the councillor, Mohammed uh, Shafiq, said there had been concerns about a change in Ahmed's recent behaviour. But obviously the father didn't see it. At all. I wonder if this hadn't made the newspapers, whether or not it just would have been somebody else going over there. More than 50 of the schoolgirls seized in Nigeria by Boko Haram last year have been cited. A Nigerian woman told the BBC she saw them three weeks ago in the border town of Gwoza. The militants abducted at least 219 girls from a boarding school in Chibok a year ago. The girls were in Islamic dress and under escort. Uh, they said they were Chibok girls kept in a big house. Just some of the stories here. And then the uh, the poor Briton who's turned up after two days lost in Spain. He went to a stag do. He got in the taxi heading for his hotel and the taxi dropped him miles away. Miles away from where the, the hotel was. And so he didn't actually catch the, you know, the plane back. He spent two days walking back to Barcelona. He lost his phone. He lost his money. He lost just about everything. Poor little sob. But anyway, he is, uh, he is back in one piece and he's a much happier person. And, uh, and the other story, we told you yesterday about the initiation ceremony in the city where they made uh, a 23-year-old eat eight burgers whilst being jeered on. Loads of people have written to the Metro today saying this is quite common, apparently. Lots and lots of people um, are part of these silly pranks. One person says, um, I had to eat 10 Big Macs uh, for £700. I did it because I was collecting money for charity. Wow, people need to lighten up. It's a work, not a prison camp. Gosh. Blimey, initiation ceremonies. That's it uh, for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I'll have a free podcast up for you in about 20 minutes' time. I always reckon that my producer can get it up quicker than anybody else in the building. It's really quite an achievement. So I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between four, and uh, we'll also have the remainder of the programme podcasting a little bit later on. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can download the free LBC app, or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And you can listen to LBC whenever and 